Welcome in, folks. Four minutes past 12 here on your Tuesday, August the 8th. Sammy sitting in for Staffy for the rest of this week. He is away. Uh, hopefully that doesn't force you to turn off your radio over the next three hours, like some people apparently did yesterday when I suggested that the Warriors weren't going to win in 2023. We'll uh, talk about that a little bit later on. Um, what's coming up between now and three? Uh, well, very special guest in the studio sitting across from me right now, uh, Surly from Surly Talk Sports. Uh, I know a lot of you out there are big fans of, of Surly, so uh, he's essentially going to co-host with me for the next hour. So if you want to jump on the phone, 0800 150 um, you can jump on, have a yarn, or you can flick us a message on double eight double three. We're going to talk uh, the All Black squad, uh, named for the World Cup yesterday by Ian Foster. Uh, we will talk some MPC as well, because that got underway uh, over the weekend. And we might also squeeze in a little bit of NRL and Warriors too. So uh, if you want to ring up and have a chat, 0800 150 After 1 o'clock, uh, we're actually going to have some more uh, Warriors chat on the show. Uh, Fonzie and Will Evans out of the Warriors Life podcast. They're going to come on. We're going to chat through uh, the Titans game, look at the Tigers this weekend and the run home for the Warriors into the finals. And after 2 o'clock, we're going to catch up with Blair Tarrant out of the Black Sticks. They have their Olympic qualifying campaign kicking off or getting underway on Thursday against Australia, the Oceania Cup. Um, The winner of that goes straight through to the Olympics. The loser has to go through another qualification tournament. Um, So we'll catch up with Blair Tarrant about that. Um, We'll do our FIFA World Cup update with uh, Casey. She'll come in. Two uh, very interesting games last night. Another penalty shootout, England against Nigeria. And then... uh, Australia getting the job done over Denmark looking very very comfortable for them as well so lots to come uh, between now and three o'clock uh, but for the first hour like I said Shirley is in studio with us and uh, if you want to jump on and have a yarn 0800 150 or you can text double eight double three Shirley g'day mate welcome in cheers for having me so uh, you say I've got to apologise for what I said yesterday yeah. uh, about the Wars. Mate, it's been <laughs> popping up all over my social media feeds, you know. <laughs> Obviously, Sammy Hewitt, a diehard Warriors fan, to see his mug pop up across <laughs> my phone with the headlines underneath that you don't believe we can win the comp really did break my heart. <laughs> I, I, that seems to be the theme. So I didn't even know it got put up on social media, but I've just discovered it. Um, gee, context is probably key, though, Surly. <laughs> I, 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 like, I want them to win. And I certainly believe they have the ability to win. I just think if I was a betting man, I just can't go past Penrith with just how dominant they are. I'm watching them on the weekend again against the Storm. It's like they're just starting to hit sort of, you know, third, fourth gear heading into the finals. And the key thing for me, and I almost take out the performance side of things and the squads and the rosters, et cetera. The key thing is the fact that they've just, this is just clockwork for, for Ivan Cleary and his team. You know, like the last three years, they've just done the exact same thing. They win the minor premiership. They go into the finals. They know what they're doing. They don't let the emotion and the and the pressure get to them, and they just they win. That's what they do. That's that's the thing that's sort of in my mind. Yeah, it's fair too. And talking to a few of the boys that were around that have lost grand finals, they always say that that week leading up is exhausting. It's unlike anything else. And mm. often the game just comes and goes before you even realise and you're tired before the game even kicks off due yeah. to all the formalities. It's yeah. not a usual week of prep. So I get what you're saying. I also agree that Panthers are probably 1A at the moment. Then in that 1B category, you've probably got the Broncos and then us just slightly below them. I still think second versus third, especially if it's at Mount Smart or Eden Park, NRL mm. deciding, then we can tip up the Bronx for sure. And yep. then, look, grand final, it's a one-out shootout. Obviously, the Panthers would go in favourites, but in, in Webby we trust. Maybe yeah. you can cook something up, up for us because that Magic Round clash, 
There were a few calls that didn't go our way, a couple tough sin bins and a few Panthers lads that probably should have been bins. So, true. That's you know true. me, mate, I'm forever the optimist. Mate, I, I do think an apology is due. <laughs> I, do, mate, I, I didn't I, hear one then. You just beat around look, the bush. I, Absolutely. But, but if you want me to apologise, you're asking me to sort of go no. back on my word and, and I don't <laughs> know if I can. The thing is, I, um, I think if the Panthers aren't there, I think we've got as good a shot as anyone else right like if if let's say someone does tip up the panthers in that in that prelim final yeah. and and we're on the other side and we're going through to the final yeah i we could beat any of the other teams and we can beat the broncos i think we can beat them because as as jimmy smith alluded to yesterday whilst they've got this hot gun offense um and you know Adam reynolds the best kicker in the game they're a young team they don't have the Torhu harrises they don't have the sjs they don't have these guys that you know are, are older and have plenty of um years under their belt and i think that the emotion of the occasion will get to those younger guys a little bit. Um, so 100%, I think we can beat any other team. But And it's so funny, like, we're talking about this now. We're nowhere near it, Surly. We've got four games to go. Um, yep. You know, we still got to sort of make sure we stay in the top four. Um, and then, you know, who knows sort of what happens from there. But, you know... Everyone's talking grand final. It just sort of seems to be the theme at the moment. Yeah, there's a few banana skin games as well. Obviously, yeah. this weekend against the Tigers, on paper, you look at it and you think an easy win, 13 plus. But you look at the weather forecast, she's meant to rain, mm. which has been a bit of our kryptonite so yeah. far this year. The Tigers with nothing to lose. It's nice as a Warriors fan going into games, expecting us to get the win. But mm. at the same time, I know the boys won't be complacent at all about getting these games. Yeah, yeah, the rain that's going to toss up. I mean, we and Kimby have spoken about, obviously, the game against the Roosters as a game against the Rabbitohs. Um, it happens once, you sort of, you know, you put it down to a bad day. It happens twice, you just sort of say coincidence. If it happens a third time, you sort of might be worried that we're not a wet weather team. And if that happens in the finals, you've had three instances where we've not been able to put it together. I think the key thing as well, when with Roosters and the Rabbitohs games that we lost in the wet, um, and we see this as well. We were trying to sort of go wide too early. We yeah. weren't going up the middle, and we sort of did that against the Titans as well. I felt on Friday, you know, like our our bread and butter is the, is is our pack, and going up through the middle. You know, the fact that Adam can play seventy minutes and and Mitch, these guys put in big shifts. You know, they can do it. Mm. Um, but it just sort of seems like sometimes we we get a little bit, you know, trigger happy and and try and go wide early. So, yeah, maybe that's something you know coming into play on Saturday. No, definitely, and like you mentioned. If we do it a third time, you'd be really worried. But I back like Adam Tahu, mm. Mitch Barnett. Now that he's back, starting in yep. that prop role as well, to just roll up their sleeves because on paper, I think we have one of the best packs in the comp. And Adam, outside of Payne Haas, he's probably Dallium prop of the year, isn't That's true. he? So. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, there's a few that might be in for Dallium awards, including uh, Sean for the big one. Um, Mate, let's we'll come back to league a little bit later on. Let's talk yep. about uh, this All Blacks uh, squad that named uh, was named by uh, by Fozzie yesterday. So, I mean, a few surprises. There were names that were, I guess, on the line. You know, next to next to somebody else, and it was sort of a flip of a coin. Um, you can feel a little bit hard done by if you're a Sammy Penny female, probably, and if you're Brad Webber, even though they are going to be travelling as these sort of injury cover. Which um, I can't imagine how you know crap that must be to be there but not playing, and if the team wins, it sort of, you know, it almost yeah. feels like a whole thing. But, yeah, well, I guess, first of all, like, what, what do you make of the squad? Were you surprised at anything? Uh, was there any names that sort of stuck out for you, guys that missed or that did get in? What did, what did you sort of think when it got named yesterday afternoon? I thought it was reasonably predictable in the sense that it's pretty much very similar to the squad that was named for this rugby championship, so not a lot of changes. I personally was on the Brad Weber train just because... I think if touch wood this doesn't happen, you lose an Aaron Smith early on in the tournament, the mm. next cab off the rank I would want to start games would be Brad Weber. So it's good news that he's over there 
travelling and available because obviously if Smith was ruled out for the World Cup, Weber would come in and then probably start, yeah. which is an interesting dynamic. So I wanted to see Brad Weber at the same time Christie's a quality footballer. I think all these selections, when you look at the team on paper and everyone that's missed out, it's a real luxury we have as a nation, like the depth of rugby in our country at the moment is incredibly strong. And I was even doing a little exercise last night where 2024, this is true rugby loser stuff from me, <laughs> but the team, what it could look like on paper. And we have a lot of players departing, but we have so yeah. many young, talented players coming into this team and this environment. So it's incredibly exciting. I personally was gutted for Sean Stevenson, obviously, just a friend of mine. Mm. So on that personal level, that hurt a little. But at the same time, he was called in as injury replacement, so it was kind of to be expected. Without, I mean, you know, getting too personal, giving too much away, he pretty gutted though that he that he's not on, you know, in the the thirty three. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Obviously, I spoke to him last on Sunday, so prior to the team naming, and he was just on a buzz. Obviously, he's just made his debut yeah. against the Wallabies and scored a try, so pretty cool feeling for him, and obviously family and and friends all around. So a, a big twenty four hours for him. Of course, you'd be gutted um, that heading into every rugby season no doubt that was everyone's goal was to be yeah. on the plane to France so yeah. it'll hurt a little but yeah we've seen injuries and things like that happen throughout the duration of World Cup so no doubt he'll be staying ready again just the depth of our outside backs you look at Talia, Lester Whanganoku, Will mm. Jordan, Amoni Narawa, Caleb Clark like every rugby nation would be scrambling to have guys like that in their team. And so the conversation sort of now shifts to I guess you're starting 23 which for the most part, you know, when we spoke with Shane Howarth yesterday, he said, you know, with this All Blacks 33, you're really, the, the names that are up in the air are the guys that are going to be playing against Italy, Uruguay and Namibia, because we basically know the 15 guys that are going to be out there. So what does it look like for you, um, maybe in terms of the outside backs, you have Bowden at fullback, maybe Will and Talia on the wings, how do you think the, the back three sort of look? Yeah, I, I think it'll be exactly that. I think they've clearly shown that Bodie is the fullback and they've also kind of signalled that Will Jordan will be the fullback next year by starting him against the Wallabies. So yeah, I think Bowden will be in the 15 jersey. I wasn't so sold on it prior to the rugby championship, but I think against the Wallabies, Argentina and South Africa especially, we kind of saw the benefits of having that dual pivot. And under Joe Schmidt, he's kind of taken the the helms of the attack at the moment and mm. it seems to be working a lot better. He said he's encouraging them to play to space and when you've got Mwanga and Bodhi pulling the cutter, that's exactly what you want from them. So, mm. yeah, that's the back three I'm expecting. And uh, Richie at 10, uh, where do you put D-Mac? Do you, like, is he in the 23? Is he on the bench? It's tough. I don't think so because mm. you've got your 10 cover with, with Bodie and Richie there already. Both of them can play it. Then you've got fullback court cover and Geordie Barrett, Will yeah. Jordan. So, yeah. unfortunately, again, another guy that might just suffer at the hands of how good. It's it, Yeah, it's interesting when you've got so many guys that cover so many positions, how you move away from like specialists, right? Because it's yeah. just easier to have guys that cover multiple positions. Um, any 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 of the forwards? I mean, obviously, Sammy Pini Finau is, is one that has just, well, especially on Saturday, absolutely lit it up. Yeah. Um, Anyone else that sort of stuck out for you, surprised you potentially in the forwards? I thought Joe Moody might have come in, so it was good to hear Ian Foster kind of talk around that decision. Mm. He's obviously still a couple of weeks away. It was interesting, you know, you, you take Brody, he's yeah. four to six weeks yes. away, but he said no room for Moody or Blackadder who yeah. are due to return quicker than that. So that just shows, I guess, how highly held Brody Retallick is, and fair enough. I thought, yeah, maybe a nipple might have missed out in that propping stakes, but good to see him in. I'm interested to see the rotation of the loose forwards. 
There's not a lot of them. They're going to be playing high minutes, especially yeah. covering locks as well. Yeah. Shannon Frizzell and co are going to have to cover the locking department. So they could be in for a massive World Cup. It is one of the interesting things that you take six props because, and I said this yesterday, obviously you use four in a game, right? Because you replace the front row. Mm. So you want... If, if one went one went down, you can't just have one sub. So you just sort of do have to have two. But it does mean that, like you said, you're, you're a bit um, lighter and, and like the loose forwards. And it, you know, God forbid, you're always talking about props going down or an outside back. But if it's a if it's one of the loosies, you find yourself in a pretty interesting position. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it, is there? Because you can only name so many people. Um, but yeah, injuries you hope aren't going to play a massive part. I think uh, we've got a call on the line, 0800 if you do want to jump on the phone and jump into the conversation. Johnny uh, has called in from Auckland. G'day, John. Yeah, g'day, boys. How are we? Very well. Yeah, that's good. Hey, um, just quickly on the Warriors game this weekend, I hear that it's a sellout down there in it is. Kitty Door Hamilton. It is. Which is great. Fantastic. And, and it's a home game for the Tigers, which is unfortunate <laughs> for them. But <laughs> yeah. you know. I don't think there'd be many Tigers <laughs> no, fans there, to be no. fair, John. Yeah, but you know how ridiculous is that? Eh? It's the Tigers were the only one that wanted to give up their home game mm. to the Warriors after what the Warriors went through for three years for the comp, yeah. and also the Panthers, as great as they are, they haven't been to New Zealand in four years. Yeah, Did you wow. know that? Didn't know that. Not so, in four years. No. Unfortunately, we won't be so playing they, them in New Zealand. But yeah, no, no, we won't be, and they'll they'll probably end up being in the grand final. But just quickly. Um, this Warriors team, uh, I'm, I'm with you on um, Friday night when they played the Titans. They were a little bit clunky, and there were some, you know, a better team probably would have put them away on their day. 13 players for the Titans probably would have put them away. They made about 12 to 13 errors. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, it showed the character of the team, that they could go go away from home and win a game like that. And it just tells you that they are a top four team and they're going to be there. John, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I said yesterday, like it doesn't matter. Um, well, not doesn't matter, but if you are playing not at your best and you are making errors and the game's not going the way you want it to go, but you still get two points. That's the difference between teams mm. that make top four and teams that don't. And probably in the past, and maybe even last year, those are the sorts of games that the Warriors probably would have lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where they oh. were, they were tied or they held a very small lead, and then things don't go their way, and it sort of gets them. It's yeah, it, it sort of I think speaks to the strength of what Webster's done and, and the mental um, fortitude of the team, the senior players as well. That they have found themselves in that sort of position a couple of times this year, and they've gotten themselves out. Um, so it's good signs. Yeah, exactly, mate. And you got to remember that Titans team is, you know, they're they're quite a hard team at home, and they've beaten the Broncos. They've uh, they've come close against some of those top teams. You know, they're there and there. So we we actually played pretty well considering the fact. But it wasn't that great to see as pretty much a home game for the Warriors over there in the Gold Coast. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the travelling support the Warriors get is second to none. I think we saw it the other week as well against Parramatta. Like you could hear the Warriors yeah. chants coming through the TV screen. Yeah, so the yeah. lads are loving heading over the ditch. And at the Gold Coast, it's pretty much another state of New Zealand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. now they're getting a great turnout. Um, John, appreciate your call as always, my friend. Um, go well. 0800 if you want to jump aboard and, uh, and join the conversation. Uh, Dino has called in from Dunedin. G'day, Dean. Yeah, mate, I don't really know too much about the old uh, rugby league, to be honest. But, yeah, hopefully the Warriors do go good. I, I watched that weekend when they played South and thought, oh, here we go again. But they've improved since then, obviously. And the team I wouldn't want them to come up against would be the Cowboys. I watched them the same weekend. For some reason, they can't rugby on. So I watched rugby league and I watched the Cowboys. I don't think they've lost since. I could be wrong, but as I, say, I don't really follow it. But they, 
they look really useful. But me, it's more about the old rugby union, and I can't. I mean, the selectors know what they're doing, obviously, but I don't understand six props when they've got so such big gaps between the games. Like it's not like they play every week at this World Cup. Some one, they got twelve days or something between games at some stage. So mm. if a prop got hurt, we can soon fly one over. Mm. I think Enor being injured might have might have saved um, Caleb Clark's bacon. To be fair, because I think he might have got in because Dave Havili will cover fullback as well. He actually prefers to play there. Razor Robinson talked him into playing 12 and he's made a hell of a fist of it. Like He is a very, very talented rugby player and I'm wrapped that he's getting over that hamstring. But that's a worry too, like hamstrings, not getting any younger. And once they start playing up, they sort of heal, but do they really ever heal when you're still playing that intensity of sport? So, yeah, I hope Caleb Clark does go well, but for me, he's extremely lucky and Sean Stevenson's extremely unlucky. Like at the time they've put into Rico at 13 and Stevenson gets one game I think really but you know they make the decisions we don't you just got to wish them all the very best and Finau should have been five props I believe and taken him as extra flanker cover because that's where the injuries are going to happen and the loose forwards mm. yeah it's it's one of those things Dino eh, where you, you just don't know where those injuries are going to come and and he touched on um, the injury to Braden in or there was probably a couple of those injury force decisions from Ian Foster you'd think between Saturday and, and uh, yesterday afternoon right like he might have had things penciled in but as soon as those injuries come in things shift around you know help probably help Leicester as well push yeah, in there because true. he's you know he's played in the Crusaders jersey in the 13 role and we know he's more than capable of doing that mm. lots of texts coming in here on double eight double three uh, we're going to take a short break we'll come back uh, with those texts also you can give us a call 0800 I see Zade's on on hold and uh, Graham's calling through as well guys so uh, got uh, Surly in studio with us for the next uh, 30 minutes or so if you do want to jump aboard give us a call throw us a text we'll come back after this 26 minutes past 12 afternoons with Steffi. Sammy sitting in. We've got Surly in the studio as well, talking uh, the All Blacks squad, talking some rugby league and maybe some NPC as well if you want to jump aboard that conversation. Uh, Zaid's called in on 0800 G'day, Zaid. Uh, good afternoon, boys. Um, I've got a bit of a question for Surly, actually. You, um, you, can, you guys can do it soon. Um, if Surly could name his... Um, all-time 13 um, of NRL. Wow. That's what, a big, Warriors or that's whole a NRL? One, What's the go? <laughs> Give you a bit of a task there, silly. Jeez, I'll need till Friday just to research say, I don't think and, got and run the numbers, man. Even just Maybe a Warriors all-time 13. Warriors then, if, if it's easier then. Oh. Jeez. Yeah, you put, him, you put him in a tough maybe. spot there, Zade. Jeez, Zade, always with the hard-hitting questions. Yeah. I know you're a big fan <laughs> of the uh, of the podcast, Zade. What, what else have you got for Surly? Put in. What else have you got for us? Yeah, looking forward. There's going to be an um, absolute great game of NPC this weekend, I reckon. Um, Auckland-Tasman should be a tight one. And, um, yeah, great um, AB's team. Good to see Clark, uh, Christy, and Big Nepo named yesterday. Mm. So I'm pretty happy with the team. I reckon um can't you know, get much better. And, um, yeah, I reckon, obviously, like, the first thing for the All Blacks, I reckon, starting in, against France will obviously be uh, Barrett at 15, Jordan and Talia, Rico and Jordy, um, Mawanga and Aaron Smith, then Sevilla Kane, Frizzell, I reckon Barrett and Whitelock, because Brody Retallick probably won't be available for the first game. Yeah. And then obviously Cody Taylor, DeGroote and Lomax. <sighs> Pretty strong side, eh? Wow. That, that team, it's going to be hard to beat. And mm. then you look at the bench and the options we have there as well, the depth in the squad. Yeah. 
Yeah, and um, up the wires, obviously. Um, I think we're going to be all over the Tigers on um, Saturday night in the Tron, and I've got tickets for the uh, Sea Eagles Warriors game uh, nice. next weekend at Daniel Anderson Stadium. I think they're calling it next Friday for yeah. the um, fundraising. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. She's almost yeah. sold out as well. So if you haven't got your tickets and you're planning to head along next Friday night, get in quick because it's going to be a huge night. Yeah. It's the the next uh, couple. Cheers, of... cheers, boys. Hey, uh, Zay, just before you go, mate, what what's uh, what was what happened against Bay of Plenty, mate? You only just got home. <laughs> yeah, it was a great comeback, though. Eh? Second half. Yeah. Oh, Still, I don't know. Half, eh? Yeah, I reckon North Harbour looked the dominant side from from the Auckland province <laughs> on the weekend, Zay, mate. So look out, we're coming <laughs> for you. That, eh? We're coming for you, we're the mighty hibiscus. We've got old Dan Sullivan and Talisi Rayasi, mate. Just watch out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, what well, battle of the battle of the bridge? What's I'm just looking here. It's at Hollywood Domain. Yeah, it is Hollywood Domain. Yeah. Jesus, gonna, how does that work? They put stands up or something? Yeah, or there's it? temporary stands. We're going to trip up Canterbury this weekend, and that'll send a, a warning shot throughout the competition. <laughs> and then, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll claim Auckland in the Battle of the Bridge. Oh, I love it. Hey, Zayda, appreciate your call as always, my friend. Uh, 0800 if you want to uh, jump aboard. Joey, I see you on hold there, mate. We might just have to get you after new sport and weather. But Scotty, we'll pick you up first. I think we've got you there, Scott. Hey, Sammy, can you hear me? Yes, I got you. We got you. Oh, nice. How are you going, Sally? How are you going, Sammy? Yeah, good, good, good. good. Um, I, one thing I, after I spoke to you yesterday, Sammy, I forgot to say, I, I think one of the best things coming up this weekend for, for the Warriors, and it doesn't even involve them, is, is obviously the Raiders and Storm playing against each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that either way, um, it helps us within that top four um, sort of thing. I mean, from, from my point of view, I look at the Raiders and, and I sort of think how they've been going over the last few weeks. And, you know, there, there's a big if there whether they're going to pick up any more wins, to be honest, in their remaining games. Obviously, I know they've got the Storm. I know they've got the Broncos in there. Um, I can't think who their other two games might be against, but, you know, that's two tough games for them straight away, and they just, I don't know, they just look to have gone off the boil a little bit, and, and obviously their uh, for and against isn't going to help them at the same time. Um, so, but, I mean, that's definitely going to help the Warriors this weekend, and um, you know, hope, hopefully another two points. Uh, the Tigers look like they're building to a win. That's that's the only concern, I think. But, um, you know, I, I think hopefully, I know we don't travel too well outside of Auckland, to be honest, around the country. Um, I'm just hoping we can pick up the two points. And I know with Webby, he'll, he'll keep the team grounded in that as well. And um, just on that, I was, I've got you both on. I'm just going to say, obviously... We all look at it and say Webby should be coach of the year, uh, Dallium coach of the year. Yeah. Realistically, is it going to happen? With um, obviously a lot of talk about Kevin Walters getting it at the same oh. time. It's an absolute no-brainer for me, um, Scotty. It's chalk and cheese. Kevy's been with the Broncos for, what, four four or five years now. Uh, he's built that squad. He's brought players in. Um, he's had time with them. He, he did well with them last year, just fell off the ball towards the end of the season. I wouldn't say they've turned around. They're just finally, I guess, getting to the level that they've been building towards. The Warriors have gone from 6th or 15th to 3rd in the space of a season, and Webster's done it with a squad that he basically didn't put together himself at all. I just think that is so much more of an achievement as a coach yeah. than what Kevy's doing. So it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, so. and I agree because I think the way he's changed the way we play is so drastic. Mm. You know, He's really made us a really reliable and steady football side. He's implemented that kind of Penrith structure into our system, whereas Kevy, he's kind of been building this for four years now. So the drastic turnaround for me makes him get the medal for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And just on the Raiders, I just looking at the NRL ladder this morning as 
I was piecing stuff together. I can't believe they're on 30 points, you know? Yeah. Like, it just surprises me with how up and down their season has been. Um, they've, they've tripped up a couple of big names, but also lost some games they absolutely shouldn't, and yet yeah, that horrible uh, points differential, and they arguably could have lost to the Tigers on the weekend as well. Uh, they have, and that is something I mentioned yesterday as well, uh, most of the top eight teams are all playing each other, yeah. which which is great for the Warriors because they take points away from one another, whereas the Warriors are able to play teams outside the top eight. So the Raiders, um, just for your Scotty, yeah, play the Storm this weekend. Then they've got the Bulldogs, the Broncos, and the Sharks. So you'd think they probably can win the Bulldogs game and probably the Sharks game. I mean, look, oh, it, I don't know. The, the Bulldogs are one of those sides. Like They've got nothing to lose. They've got Kakao back now. Yeah. I think Sexton was a huge signing for them, and mm-hmm. he's going to really add some stability. They're also a team... I don't know. I, I don't think you want to play like them, t- teams like that, the Dolphins, but just with team, nothing to lose, and they're just going to throw it around. I get that. I mean, every team scares me at this stage. And even sitting down with the bosses trying to plan out what we're going to do if you know Warriors finish inside the top four and say, oh, we probably just need to pump the brakes because we've got four games to go. And like, it's the NRL. You know, the, the Broncos could lose th- their three games and all of a sudden we're second. And we're yeah. talking about a home final first week. You know what I mean? It's just for all your, your predictions and analysis, I've, I've said to everyone, if I got it all right, I'd be a millionaire because I'd just be a, at the TAB every week. But I'm <laughs> clearly not. nice. Clearly not. Nice. It goes the other way. I'm in a lot of debt. Uh, <laughs> we'll take a break for new sport and weather. Uh, Joey, I see you on the line. Steve's calling in as well. We'll get to you guys right after the break. Stay with us. Town fans. Bounce, so 24 minutes to 1 o'clock Just a special request there from Surly uh, A bit of Morgan Wallen for him He's a big country fan uh, Who isn't? Who oh, isn't? I agree man I'm one of the many that tried to get Luke Combs tickets Missed oh, out But yeah. not willing to mortgage the house To go along on yeah. the resale market Yeah Oh no I, So I tried to look at them So I went to Morgan Wallen And then I thought oh, I'm going to try to go to Luke Combs And I looked online Couldn't find anything anywhere And I thought oh maybe the tickets just haven't come out yet And it was like a month later And actually no 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 They came out and went within minutes and so then I jumped on Trey Minier, sure enough, he'd like 3000 bucks for a for a ticket. So he's clearly a lot bigger than I thought he was. And if you don't like country, just give it a bit of time, okay? just It's an acquired taste. It's like a fine wine. It just sits and miles away. I did love a text that came in here uh, that said, it must be hard uh, to be put on the plane as an injury cover. It's up there with getting a wedding invite, but only going to the church, not the reception. Oh. It's, it's a bit rude. We want you We want you to give gifts, but you're not eating our food. <laughs> That's it's fair too, because you want to be at the reception. That's exactly. where it all goes down. That's I'd rather party. I'd rather miss the church part. Yes, and just go to the reception. Yeah, no, it's a great analogy, and like I I, I feel for, I feel for them as well because yeah, you're a part of everything. You know, aside from being actually on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Joey's called in from Auckland. G'day, Joey. Yeah, good lads. Uh, predictable side, you know, when you look at it. Uh, not much changes. I just uh, a little bit surprised that they uh, a little bit low on the loose forwards and. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've taken six props, you know. I mean, you got to tell me over four or five games or six games in the World Cups, five, four, four or five props, props are going to get injured. I wouldn't think so. I mean, uh, the only way they'd get injured if they're, if they're not fit, if you ask me. You could have taken a, a five props and, and a, a, um, another loose forward. You know, I think that's where we're a little bit low on. But we've got cover, I suppose, and, and we've got a lot of experience. And just on... Um, taking Weber and them over there. I mean, I know they always take two or three, you know, it's just cover anyway, but they might be just saying to those guys, well, to him anyway, I know he's going after the World Cup, um, you know, here's a swan song type of thing, because would they play, would they risk him playing um, um, against South Africa, playing uh, Aaron Smith? The way Aaron Smith came on on the weekend, I don't think they will. I think they'll play Richie, um, um, Christie and um, and maybe... Uh, uh, the guy from Wellington, Hollard, or um, even give Brad Weber a go. You know, uh, just a bit surprised that, that, that I can see why they've taken the young guy, Brett uh, Bell, 
because uh, you know he's just getting too used to the All Black uh, environment, and um, you know, uh, yeah, it just, it just seems a little bit a bit strange to me. But um, and, and obviously they've gone a little bit light on the outside backs. A couple of guys are un- unlucky to miss out, but um, that's the way it is. And just with the Warriors, um, yeah, the coach should easily get the uh, job, uh, get the um, the best uh, best coach for sure. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Broncos man, but um, you know, Kiwi Wallace has had that side for a while, and it's got him going. Where this guy's come in, and um, he's just been outstanding. You know, uh, I mean, I'll be surprised too if Sean Johnson doesn't get the, the golden boot. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the, the, I mean, you just you just look at the way they've, they've they've played the Warriors this year. You did right. You you guys were saying, Sammy, from from fifteenth uh, to third. I mean, that's that's massive. Mm-hmm. Not, I can't remember the last side that's done that. Um, and kudos to the Warriors that I've always said it, and I go on about it. I know on this, this station, they're a lot fitter side, and when you you're a lot fitter, they're fitter than virtually all the other sides. If you ask me, mm. and on the back of games, that comes into it, and you don't make as many mistakes, and they're doing they're doing a fantastic job, and I think it's fantastic for rugby league. As a as a as a Broncos fan, does it make you slightly nervous that maybe you could be heading over to Mount Smart if other results go our way, or that you could be taking on the Warriors in a knockout game? Or are you fairly confident that your lads could get it done? Oh no, as a Broncos man, I've been a Broncos man for a long, long time, and and um, we've had you know we've had a tough times over the last few years. You know, wouldn't I never <laughs> ever thought in my time with a you know being a Broncos supporter that they'd ever get the wooden spoon, but that's what they have done. You know, and mm. they, but they've come. They've come up, up on, you know, um, they've come up and, and now they're, they're right up there. You know, if, if, just like anything, guys, if you're a, if you're a, a budding coach, would you want to, would you want to um, take over the Broncos or the, the Panthers or would you rather take over the Tigers? Well, to be honest, there's only one way you can go. If you, ta- if you go, so I'll take the Panthers after Ivan Cleary, whoever takes that job has got a real tough job yeah. because they, they're on top. You, you know, you go for the sides that aren't on top so you can make them improved. And mm. that's what Webster's done. He's gone over here and gone, I've got, the thing is, is the consistency for next season, which they will get, because the best thing that's happened to the Warriors is they have a reserve grade playing in that, that competition now. And I've always said that. When the Warriors have had a, res, a reserve grade playing in, in the, um, the New South Wales Cup, they've always been, you go back through the years, they've always been a better side. And that's mm. when, when they were in 2011 and 2002. But, uh, no, I'm not that worried with the with, with the Broncos. Oh. Well, Joey, I, think, um, I just I was just looking up before last coach to uh, win uh, coach of the year, of course, was Todd Payton last year, and he took the Cowboys from 15th in 2021 to third in 2022. There we go. So That's an it's, omen. It's a it's a carbon copy, uh, Joey. And mate, just before we let you go, uh, what happened to your Morty Turbos against Wellington? Morty Turbos, mate. You know what happened to them? That guy. Should have got sent off, deserved to get sent off. How dumb was that when you when you are uh, only no? I mean they weren't probably going to win the game, but it was six all, mm-hmm. and he goes and does that. That's just absolutely stupid. And if it was I was coaching them, he wouldn't be playing next week. He'd be sitting on the sideline thinking about it. We well, might get a that bit, was he might get a couple of weeks anyway, won't he, Seal? Yeah, well maybe, but it must fill you with hope, right? Yeah. With with Brett Cameron, Braden, you'll see there. You guys looked a lot better this year compared to last season. Oh, without a doubt. Look, look. Don't get me wrong, fellas. I've I've said this before. Um, they're my second side. They always have been. But my mates gave me a hard time when I was talking to Staffy one one day about the, the turbos, and they said, "Oh, Joey, you don't know anything about the turbos." And I said, "I do." 
I can go back and name Kevin Everly and all those guys that played for him. The old, the, the number eight, and go, I'm going back 20 years, 20 odd years now, mm. you know. And I, so I said, they're going to be my second side. My, my side's actually Auckland. But I'll always oh, pick the that's turbos. convenient, well, isn't it, Joey? Yeah, it's convenient. Oh, no, not at all, boys. Not have... at all. I'm, Fresh. I'm an Auckland. Fresh off an 82nd minute win. Yeah, here he is. You love it. No, no I'm an Auckland. No, they play badly. I'm, I'm, yeah. They shouldn't never have won that game. Mm, but I'm yeah. an Auckland, and it's true and true. But my second side is the turbos, and I really like the turbos, and I say, go the mighty. And a boy, Joey. Unfortunately, uh, I don't have Staffy here to uh, echo those sentiments, but it's great to have you call, nevertheless, my friend. Uh, let's quickly go to Steve uh, in Auckland as well. G'day, Steve. Yeah, g'day, Sammy, and g'day, Ben. I've got to ask, Ben, are you the same Ben that played for, for Northcote? Yes. The, one in the, the legend himself, <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve. The, the, legend the, sto- the stories are true. <laughs> yeah, no, I still remember that touch, that touch conversion you, you had to kick, even though my grandmother may have that one, bro. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you still, you still had to kick it, bro, and you got it over, mate. Good to, good to hear you on. A um, couple of things. Um, I, I'm not a huge follow, follower of the NRL. I'll, I'll, I'll put, my, put my hand up. That just more of a passing interest for me. But one thing the NRL do is promote their game really well. Like all their shows, like NRL 360, but they have a controversial side to it as well. Mm. If you look at the start of the NPC last week, Seriously, nobody would have known that it started. There was no promotion, no competitions, no nothing. I, I know my good mate Mark Watson basically tried to, to pitch a show to Sky, which was a little bit controversial, but I'm, I'm not a great believer. Even if you go down the controversy, controversy path, you know, any sort of promotion is good promotion, guys. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, I was I was gutted because outside of the All Blacks, NBC Rugby is my favourite level of rugby. You know, you get these fringe All Blacks, your super rugby stars lining up with some of the best players in club football, and I think it's exactly what New Zealand rugby is all about. So the fact it kind of even snuck up on someone like myself who loves watching NPC code it is disappointing. And I think rugby in New Zealand and in general can learn a lot from what the NRL is doing both on TV and through social media. It's good to see the yeah. All Blacks have stepped up their game a bit of recent and making some cool content but I definitely think that's the way going forward because that is how you promote the game now. You know, before I get on to the All Blacks, this is where our, our players still come from at the end of the day. You know, the guys who play well in the NPC get into super teams. If you ignore it, I think you basically ignore it at your own peril at the end of the day and that's the exciting thing for me with the NPC. Like, I'm a, a little bit upset after the weekend the way the Tony fought. <laughs> but I was happy to see Auckland because I obviously I cover their club comp and you know know a lot of the guys, so it was great to see Auckland make a compact. But deep down that loss on Saturday night, man, they're not a great way to start a start a season. First of all, you get a whole lot of your injury waters is blinking well full straight away, and then you have storm week as well. Game tomorrow night against a very good Taranaki side. Mm. But just on the All Blacks, I, I think the selectors have pretty much got it right. I know there's a lot of Oh, hate for a couple of players there, and namely Nepo Lalala. But the reality is, and I always refer to my nephew who plays for the Hurricanes, and and also he's played for the New Zealand 15s this year. And I always ask him, mate, who's the best props you've ever come up against? And being a lucid, he actually says, mate, Terrell, Terrell Lomax, and Nepo Lalala are the strongest tight heads that he's come up against. Mm-hmm. Although he did say Stephen Stephen Kitsoff, uh, the ginga from South Africa, yeah. is crazy good. Yeah. But, you know, you, you ask the guys 
who you play against. And man, if, if Lomax went down, we're in a we're in a tough quarterfinal. You want somebody that can scrum. Yeah, I know his his, his work rate's a bit is, is is not a bit off. But always remember, we are going to be starting with with the likes of, of Lomax and also with Caleb Parker. Whilst I, I like you, I a lot of time for Sean Stevenson. Man, he's a great interview. I've interviewed him a few times, mate, and he's such a good bugger. And we and probably like you, Ben, we've all known how skillful that guy yeah. guy is <laughs> since he boom first arrived on the scene. He's yeah. just had to wait a bloody long time. But the reality is he was called into the all black side as injury cover at the end of the day and it probably really needed somebody in the original side to play their way out mm. and yeah, have some of those wingers played their way out? Probably not. It's just he's just damn well unlucky, but I really do hope he, he hangs around because you know, you never know what the pitches are gonna look like in twenty twenty four. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Steve, really appreciate your call. We do have to run because we're going to um, run crash into an air break and I don't want to cut you off, mate, but uh, really appreciate your call. As always, just quickly before we do go, a text from Pete says, uh, I see Argentina is only taking five pro- props. What are the other nations doing? Uh, I know England named their team. They have six props as well. Um, I'm not sure if anyone else has named their team yet. I think Springboks are still yet to name theirs. Yeah, I think they stole that. England team well. naming looked like a festival lineup. I'm not sure who did the <laughs> yeah, graphics for that one, that but I thought I was looking did. at Coachella or something. <laughs> that is, that's a great call. Yeah, just seeing it on their Twitter page. Um, we've got to take a, a break here. When we come back, I'll try and get through a couple of your messages. Lots of texts coming in here on double eight double three. We're going to have to go into another air break. Unfortunately, we've squeezed them all together, which is bad timing on our part. Just quickly, Shirley, what was the kick that uh, Steve was talking about? Oh, there was a couple, fortunately. But I think the first one he was alluding to, the one his grandmother could have kicked, there was a bit of a compliment and, a, and an insult in yeah. that from Steve. you got to love that, though. Now. Pretty much right out in front, 22, time up. Tried to drop goal, got charged down, but luckily the bloke was offside. To win the premiership, wasn't it? Yeah, ended up banging it over against Tacker. Brilliant. Take another break. Back soon. We are coming up to 1 o'clock. There's just never enough time. Never enough time uh, when we've got Surly in studio. Uh, Mate, it's been great to have you sitting alongside and... uh, taking on a few of the texts and the callers. It's been unreal. Um, Cheers for having me. Yeah, talking some All Blacks and talking some uh, Rugby League, some NPC as well. Uh, Just quickly before I do let you go, and we come up to the 1 o'clock news, uh, who have Harbour got this weekend? Canterbury. Canterbury. So you think they're going to get the W there? Yep, big upset. Uh, And then we're going to face Auckland uh, in the Battle of the Bridge. What about my Waikato boys? Are they uh, looking as strong as they did last year? Well, they had a strong first 40 last week against Southland, but then got pegged back. Josh Ioane might have broken his arm, so that could be... Dearing a big me. loss for you. They have plenty this weekend. That's another easy win Grudge for the match. Lulu boys. Grudge Let's match. Go. Uh, we've got to take a break for new sport and weather. That's Surly. Uh, appreciate him coming in studio. After one o'clock, we're going to talk some more Warriors. Oh, bit of FGL for your Tuesday. Florida, Georgia line. Three minutes past one o'clock here. Afternoons with Staffy. Sammy sitting in for Staff for... The rest of the week, great to have Surly in uh, studio. I know a lot of you are big fans of uh, the Surly Talk Sport podcast. Lots and lots of texts coming in on double eight, double three. Which, once again, like yesterday, I promise I will get to over the course of the next hour. But uh, coming up now for the next uh, wee while, we're going to continue our Warriors chat. And uh, on the line are two great humans and big Warriors fans, part of the Warriors Live podcast, Fonzie. And Will Evans, they're joining us on the line now. If you want to ask them a question, you can text through double eight double three. G'day, gents. Fonzie, welcome in. G'day, Sammy. Great to be here, mate. And uh, Will, I think we've got you as well, my friend. 
Yeah, sure do. Awesome. Jamie, how are you, mate? Very well, boys. Now, look, uh, let's kick off uh, with the elephant in the room, which is uh, a comment I made yesterday, which apparently, much to my surprise, because I only just found this out about an hour ago, I've been getting absolutely blasted for it, and that was suggesting that uh, whilst I'm positive and I'm optimistic, and you know how much I love the Warriors, I said that I don't know if 2023 is the year that we uh, that we get the maiden premiership, lads. Uh, do, I, do, I, do the fans deserve an apology from me? That's what they're suggesting. Oh, I don't Look, think so, mate. Everyone's entitled to their their opinion, and, <laughs> and realistically, we're we're not. You know, we're certainly not premiership favourites. I think there's a chance we can do it. Uh, if I really had to uh, go head over heart, I'd say we probably won't. But um, yeah, I don't think you've got anything to apologise for, there, mate. Fonzie. Oh, Sammy, I think um, I think we've got to we've got to think about um, are you t- are you saying that based on what you're seeing now versus yeah. where we might be where we might be in two months, right? Yes, there's, there's two exactly. Months to go in the comp. And so where we are right now, I agree with you. We're not the best team in the comp, um, and I think we're a little bit off the pace that you'd need to be to win a comp. However, if you asked me two months ago, would we you know be performing at the level that I saw us performing the last month? I'd mm. say probably not, right? So it's really a question of how much more growth can Webby get out of this team in the next two months versus what other teams are doing in the comp? Yes. I, I don't think you can apologise a bit later, Sammy, when you, <laughs> when, when you see how we're travelling. When I'm proven wrong, everyone will say, oh, Warriors, hater, we've proven him wrong. I can see the headlines now, boys. But, Fonzie, that is the point I was sort of making, was that, and it was more a reaction from the weekend. So just seeing the game against the Titans, and look, great to get two points. It was a scrappy game. It was a tough game. But there's still, I think, parts of that game you watch and you think, okay, this this just isn't the team that is that is going to be that is there yet and then you watch Penrith the same weekend and you watch Brisbane and especially Penrith you know just a complete cut above all the other teams um and I'm not saying we can't get there and I'm not saying that you know we we don't have the ability uh, to win a grand final I just think sort of to your point will head over heart I think Penrith it, it's Penrith and everyone else at the moment Fonz. I'd agree with that. I think Penrith's a standout team. When you watch them, you do think you're looking at a team that's sort of playing at a level and and maybe even has another gear above all the other sides. I'd include Brisbane in that. I think for the Warriors, Sammy, at the moment, there's a couple of things. We've we've just sort of got to a point where they um, are executing Webby's game model well. But I I think at the moment, firstly, other teams are working out how to play against us. So we saw the Titans, for example... Um, with their edges rushing up to shut down our shifts to the right side, um, which was sort of stifling our attack. And we also, I think, are not yet at a place where we've we've got it down pat to the point where we can adjust mid-game all yeah. that effectively. Yeah. And so, again, that's all part of that growth, right? So teams are working us out. Okay, that's fine. What what can we do? How, how complex can we layer on adjustments in our game model so that when teams do that to us, we know what we're doing in response? Mm. Absolutely. Well, what did uh, what did you make of the of the Titans game on Friday, mate? Like I said, a little bit, I guess, scrappy. But the difference, probably, of this Warriors team to Warriors teams of old is that they still get the two points, which is the most important thing in the end. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, I think, and similar to the Raiders game, obviously disappointing when you throw away a double digit lead, particularly against you know a team fairly well down the ladder like the Titans. Who, had, who were down to 12 men, but how often do you see a team that you know goes through some adversity like that in, in a game sort of step up and, and you know they seem to take it personally? 
they fought back incredibly well. Obviously, the intercept was a bit of a blunder from Jackson Ford, and um, the, the Titans had their tails up. I think the positive, obviously, from the game is that you know we got reeled in. It was level. It was pretty tense, um, and they find a way to do it again, like they did against Canberra. Probably a bit luckier against Canberra with mm-hmm. the uh, misconversion on full time. But to conjure two tries in the last six minutes and close it out, I think it's you know it is another step in the evolution of Andrew Webster's team. They had the wins that they've had uh, prior to these last two have all been pretty much wrapped up with you know ten fifteen to go, aside from the Sharks one earlier in the year, and we obviously came from a long way back. So you know when you go through those t- tough uh, patches and and um, the momentum's against you, then it, being able to arrest it and uh, find something uh, extra to to get over the line, I think you know that's a good sign ahead of the finals because uh, you know we're not going to be blowing teams off the park in September. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk a little bit about the Tigers game uh, in a moment this weekend, but uh, just in terms of those, I guess the improvements that everyone's been talking about, and, and I'll start with you, Will. Like what what areas of the game um, at the moment do you think the Warriors maybe are the most vulnerable? Areas that you'd like to see them really step up moving into the finals in five five weeks time. Um, yeah, I guess it's just that eighty minute consistency and those flat patches. I think you know we obviously uh, went through a few weeks there when we were when we were blowing teams away, but even then we weren't getting into our into our growth sort of twenty twenty five minutes in. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably just that really, and and um, being able to sort of defend it, defend our line for those uh, for those tough periods, which, which we've seen them do a, a lot this year. But yeah, just a little bit worrying that we're sort of leaking uh, quick points mm. at times in the last few weeks. Mm. Um, but again, I I think we're victims of the draw a little bit as well. We, you know, it is tough to play these uh, lower ranked teams. Several games in a row, and even the top eight teams that we've played recently, Parramatta obviously under strength. Cronulla were in a bit of a hole. Yeah, um, Canberra um, weren't going so well either. You know, I think their uh, fifth place standing is is way inflated. So, yep. um, you know, I would like to see us uh, be able to play a couple of better teams that are in better form, and, and I think we would rise to those occasions. It, it happens a lot across the NRL. It's a long season. Sometimes you just do end up coming back to the team you're playing level at times. Yeah, it's it's funny. I've I've mentioned uh, that run home, and and there's there's an argument for you know um, us being able to get a really good ladder position because we're playing teams that are a little bit lower. But at the same time, I'd almost like to to come up against Penrith or Brisbane or Melbourne or someone just on this next sort of four game stretch because it at least gives us an idea um, or a marker, I guess, of where we are heading into the finals. Because like you said, we've played an understrength Parramatta team, a Sharks team that was a little bit in disarray. The Raiders are definitely overinflated on the ladder. Um, there are no easy games in the NRL. I know you're a big fan of that um, Fonzie, but I guess just with these last four games, given that the opposition isn't as strong, what how how does Andrew Webster approach trying to gain those little improvements against teams that aren't quite at that finals level? Well, I think um, I mean if you take the Titans on the weekend, I think if they have 13 on the park, they very likely beat us. Um, and I think that that's because they'd worked out the best way to play the Warriors, which is to be physical and intimidating up the middle, get into some niggle Mm. early on and rush the edges and shut down that movement that's been so successful for us. In other words, sort of almost create a wet weather type game in dry weather, if that makes sense. You can think about that. So I think teams have seen that. They will have seen that a 12-man Titans team nearly beat us doing that. So I think you're going to see 
um, all of these teams throw challenges at us where they're adapting what they're doing to spoil us and beat us. And so I think that's where I'd like to see Webby um, coach a you know an adjustment plan into the team so that when we see that's happening, we know what we're going to do. I mean, if a team's going to rush your edges, on the weekend, really, all that we could do was have Sean Johnson step inside, right? And we're lucky that he's, he's so fantastic a player that that led to a couple of tries. But that can't be the plan, you know what I mean? Like, that got us out of jail. We, yeah. need, a, we need a broader plan to deal with that type of situation because, you know, Penrith are going to do that all day. Yeah. You know, all the good sides are going to do that all day. So I think that's the main thing, to start seeing some adaptability in the way we play in response to what these teams throw at us. So the Tigers uh, this Saturday night down in Hamilton, it is theoretically an away game, although it's sold out. And you'd imagine 90% of those uh, fans are going to be Warriors, fans of Warriors jerseys on, uh, boys. Uh, Fonzie, it, it's looking like uh, weather forecast-wise, not going to be a great evening. Um, they're expecting a lot of rain in Hamilton, which gives me a little bit of the heebie-jeebies, given what we saw with the Rabbitohs and the Roosters, mate. Is, is this a, a good chance for Andrew Webster and his team to sort of prove that they can play their, their style, their game-winning style in the wet? Yeah, I think it is. And, I, I mean, I think, you know, the Tigers aren't the Rabbitohs and the Roosters. I don't think they have the players or the um, the consistent sort of intensity to choke us out of a game like the Rabbitohs and the Roosters did. I mean, I think they have some different strengths. But, yeah, I, I do think this is a, an opportunity for us to win one of these in the wet. And, and that won't necessarily, you know, take that monkey off the back entirely, but it'll go part of the way there. Will, uh, what do you think the, the Warriors, I guess, need to be most careful of against the Tigers? Because we saw what happened with the Raiders on the weekend, and, and I know the Raiders do have a penchant for sort of blowing those leads, but uh, you know it was probably closer than they would have liked. The Tigers have a bit of fight in them, and I don't think uh, they're the sort of Tigers team that maybe you saw last year where teams are just putting you know cricket scores on top of them. They seem to just stay in the fight for 80 minutes. So what, what do you think the Warriors got to be careful about come Saturday? Uh, yeah, it's a good point you make. The Tigers the last two weeks against South and Canberra really did put up a good fight. Um, they looked to be sort of just marking time towards the end of the season. I found something in the last two weeks. Obviously, Luke Brooks has made a bit of a difference, and because they, you know, they're just playing for pride, but they seem to be taking their role of spoiler pretty seriously. And you know, Luke Brooks is uh, a club veteran, comes the end of his tenure there, so they'll be. Um, Looking to yeah upset a few teams' finals plans. Um, it's their home game. They're going to Hamilton. I think uh, just sticking to to our game plan and starting well, um, getting into that grind, especially if it is going to be wet, like you say, and, and that hasn't been great for us uh, so far this season. I'm I'm equally concerned about this. Uh, uh, alternate venue in New Zealand. Who do the Warriors have got? 33 games in, uh, since 95 at, at venues other than Mount Smart around New Zealand. Only nine wins and a draw. 23 mm. losses uh, and 0-4 in Hamilton actually as well. So, oh, dearie me. Well, why did you, you bring so that up? <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's just keeping it simple. Obviously, the Tigers are uh, at, overall have, um, you know, close to the worst uh, attacking and defensive stats in the comp. So it's just taking advantage of, of a team that over the course of the season is, you know, the worst team in the comp. And Hamilton's my uh, city of sort of uh, childhood. So it would break my heart, Will, if, uh, if it delivered us an 0-5 uh, on the weekend. That would really uh, that would really ignite me. Um, let's talk about the uh, the squad that's probably going to get named this afternoon by Andrew Webster. Um, not probably too many changes, although Charles Nicol Klukstar is will be out because of the HIA protocols. Who who do you want to see in the number one jersey? Do you just put Tane Tuopiki straight in there after what he did against the um, 
against uh, the Titans, or do you or do you start with somebody else? Uh, I I was really impressed with what he did, especially you know it's it's a bit different getting the week to build up, knowing you're playing uh, rather than getting pitched into a a pretty hectic game. Uh, Seventeen minutes in. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect. There were a few loose passes, but I think that the positive uh, side of it was he was good on the carry. He, uh, his kick defusal was really good. He looked confident out there for, for a kid in only his third first grade game. Um, I thought it was uh, a fantastic performance, and, and uh, West has certainly got that next man up mentality. He's our New South Wales Cup fullback. He's been playing there all year rather than shifting other guys out of position. That's certainly the way that I'd go. I think he deserves it. Mm. Fonzie, a um, couple more to to finish. Leading into these next four games, Andrew Webster did come on with us a couple of weeks ago and say that he wouldn't be resting players. Um, you know, he wants them, everyone playing as many games as they can as long as they're fit with the medical staff. There's two, I guess, trains of thought here. The first one says, yep, it keeps the consistency, keeps everyone playing together, means that you're going into finals with full momentum and every run uh, is playing at the top of their game. But then there's the other side saying that you know, our guys going to be really suffering after you know a twenty-seven round season heading into the business end. Where do you sort of sit on the whole, I guess, rest and rotation heading into the finals? I think, uh, Sam, if we're a more settled side where you know we've had our system better down for two or three years, you could look at resting and so on. But we're still, as we sort of started this conversation, we're still in a place where we need to get better. We need to continue to grow as a team, and so I don't think we've got the luxury of resting players we need to get every learning we can and every combination we can out of these next four weeks ahead of the finals however I do think there'll be some natural reduction of minutes from the likes of Fenor Blake and Tohu mm. because we now have all of our forwards available so you've got to get Jazz some minutes right do we there's a conversation around we need to work out a way to get Bunty some minutes because we need the the size and defensive work he does to fatigue opposition so I think there's a little bit of experimentation there for Webby to work out what is our best middle combination over 80 minutes. And so I think as a result of him sort of playing with that a little bit to settle on it and also trying to give some of these guys who have been injured like Jazz more minutes, I think you'll naturally see a reduction in minutes from your Tohus and your AFBs who have been doing double shifts all year. What are you, um, make, well, what, what's your ideal bench makeup, um, Fonzie? Because obviously on the weekend saw Jazz coming in late uh, on there with, uh, with obviously Dylan Walker, Josh Curran, Bailey Surin. And how, what, what, is it, what is the ideal four players on the interchange for you to, to sort of balance the size and the utility? Yeah, it's a million-dollar question, Sammy, because I think that's the big question for the... Um, for the for the coach at the moment, which is, do we need to start with a bigger, more defensive-oriented middle, like your Bunty, um, and therefore that puts Barnett on the bench and you end up with an extra prop in the 17, versus do we think that Jazz can effectively do the prop role as part of a very fast, mobile ball-playing middle in the middle of the game, and so that you don't need to carry that big prop? I mean, I think that's the question. Mm. On what we saw last week, before last week, I would have said... I'd drop Bunty and pick Jazz because I think there's enough middle minutes there from the others to get it done. But last week's given me pause because I didn't think we ever fully got on top of the um, of the Titans' middle. And as a result, I think we didn't have enough um, time and space to go wide and they were jamming us. So I'm, I'm now sort of... To me, that's an open question. I'm really interested to see which way he goes. I think we need a bit more information about mm. um, whether maybe Jazz has more impact after a run. You know, he's been off for a while. 
um, and he's got to get some legs in under him, so maybe Jazz has more impact. I'm going to be watching that. I don't have a strong view either way at the moment. Mm. Yeah, no, going to be a very interesting uh, story to follow throughout the next couple of weeks. Um, finally, um, Fonz, I, I know you know you watch uh, the NRL with a very analytical eye, and, and I always do love uh, reading your analysis of it. Um, the Panthers, uh, you know, by far and away, as we said, that the team at the top and the team to beat. Can you can you see, I guess, holes in them or or hope for any other team? Um, is there an is there an ability to break down that defence? Do you think is is there something that a team can unlock to beat the Penrith Panthers? Oh, look, um, everyone's a rock star until they get tired, Sammy. Um, you've got to tire them out, right? which means you've got a your kicking game has to be spot on, your kick chase has to be spot on. Uh, you need to have you have great line speed. You need to have um, you know very few errors and so on. If you can get them tired, they'll they'll leak tries. Everyone mm. will. Right? Mm. But you've got to You've got to play almost a flawless game in terms of your maintaining possession and field position. And you also, though, have to use the ball because you're not going to crack them right out through the middle. You're going to have to give the ball air. You're going to have to use some skill. And we've got that. We've got that skill piece. So, you know, I mean, I I think if we're playing 10 times, I think we're probably going to lose seven or eight at the moment. Mm. But that's not to say we can't beat them on the day if everything goes right for us. Yeah. I, I'm in your camp as well, Fonzie. Well, I'll let you boys. Uh, I'll let you boys get back to your day just before I do let you go. Will, uh, what's your prediction, mate? Give me a, give me a scoreline for Saturday night. Yeah, I think we get up, mate. But if it's going to be wet, a low score, I reckon twenty-two four. Twenty-two four. Can you give me a try score as well, Will? That's been a common theme uh, on, on of the last couple of games. Can you tip us into who you think might get over for a meat pie? Uh, if you're looking for some value, I reckon maybe Mitch Barnett budges over Ooh, for him this week. I do like that, Mitchie, in the wet. What about you, Fonzie? What's your prediction? What's your scoreline? Warriors 13 plus. Rocco Berry is your try scorer. Brilliant. There it is. Quick and fast. Lads, uh, always uh, love chatting to you. Uh, really appreciate you coming on this afternoon. Uh, go well. We'll chat again soon. Cheers, Sammy. Sammy, thanks. There you go, uh, Fonzie and Will Evans here from the uh, This Warriors Life podcast. I do recommend going and have a listen to it. It's my favourite um, Warriors podcast uh, outside of running it straight, of course, on ECNZ. But uh, do love listening to the boys' uh, analysis. It's great to get them on. Uh, we'll take a short break. Got lots of ticks to get through here on double eight double three. Uh, so we'll take a break. Come back with those after this. We are 27 minutes after one here, and we've got lots of ticks on double eight double three, the Timber Bed Post text machine. So I will try and get through. Uh, some of them for you. This one here. Um, hey, boys, if the Warriors are in the grand final and we have home seeding, does that mean all the formalities in the lead-up to the grand final will be held in New Zealand? Or do our boys have to go over to Sydney and have all the formalities over there before the game if we manage to be first in terms of having a home final? So um, the grand final always in Sydney. That is a deal that's, I think, set in stone for like 30 years or something. Um, so it'll be in Sydney regardless of whether you've got home or away advantage at the grand final. Um, but you do have home advantage all the way through to the prelim. So a prelim final, if we do get it, would theoretically be here in New Zealand. So the way um, the finals work, I've had a couple of texts as well asking how the finals work because people get a little bit confused. So obviously the top eight make it through to the finals um, and it's split into top four and bottom four. So that in, re- in week one, uh, the top four play each other. One plays four and two plays three. Uh, on the other side, five plays eight and uh, six plays seven. Now, the winner of the five v eight and the six v seven uh, game goes through to the second week, and the loser of the top four matchups, one v four, two v three, get another chance, and they play in the second week against the winner of that five three eight. The teams that win from the top four in the first week, they get a week off. They just chill out and wait for the um, prelim, which is in the third week. And that's what you have in the third week. You have, obviously, the winner of those two games in the second week will go through. You have four teams in the prelim. 
which is basically a semi-final, and then you got a grand final the week after. So you finish in the top four, you get an extra chance, basically, if you lose. Whereas for the teams finish five to eight, you've got to win every game to make your way through. I hope that uh, wasn't too confusing, but that is how it works. And the Warriors um, will probably play, if they finish in third, they'll play the Broncos because they finished in second in the first week, and that'll be at Suncorp. Um, if they lose that, they'll play a home elimination game the next week. If they win it, they'll go through to the semifinal and they'll have a home semifinal because they've they've won and they're now top seed alongside Penrith. Um, yeah, but let's let's just worry about that when we get to that to that point, eh? Rather than counting our eggs before they are laid by the chickens or whatever Kempi says. Uh, I can't believe you're rating the Warriors win over the Titans so highly. They only had twelve plays for sixty four minutes. That's from Cam. Cam. I don't rate it that highly at all. I thought it was a very clunky performance. Um, there was a lot of cracks in the Warriors game, but what I'm impressed with is the fact that despite that, they still get two points, which Warriors teams of old and certainly teams um, in the NRL are not doing, is winning the games that get to that point. So you do have to just give them credit for at least getting the two points, which at the end of the day, when you look back on the season, that's all anyone cares about is seeing that there were two points there. Um, that's the most important thing. Brendan says, up the mighty Broncos. Warriors have to beat us in some court. Maybe the Bunnies at home, Panthers away, then a grand final. That's top three top teams, especially when you, you've you been slash have been playing lesser teams. Brendan, that is probably the thing I'm concerned about most um, heading into the finals is the fact that we're going to be playing those top teams that are running into a little bit of form versus the teams we're playing now that are all um, towards the bottom. Hey, guys, just some discussion about Brad Weber and why he shouldn't be in the team and Christie shouldn't. Well, he should be in the team and Christie shouldn't. Brad Weber hasn't had a standout performance in an AB's jersey over his tenure in the team, whereas Finlay Christie had some very good performances in 2022 and notably had cemented himself as the number two. So I don't get why Brad Weber is being hard done by when it's also clear Cam Roygaard has been the form player in the position this year. Surely that makes sense. I think the argument is more around um, the replacement for Aaron Smith. So the way the All Blacks will use the halfbacks is obviously Aaron Smith will start the game and they're thinking Cam Roygaard, because he offers a point of difference, will be the one who comes on after 60 minutes. But um, Finlay Christie is there in case um, in case Aaron Smith gets injured, then he becomes the starting halfback. I think that's how I've sort of interpreted things. And there's people arguing that Brad Weber is a better fit for that particular role as opposed to Finlay Christie. Um, but I do take your point about um, Finlay Christie having some great games in 2022 and probably being the best halfback in Super Rugby this year. Um, there's an argument for that. Um, guys, Steve on, Steve is on to it. Nepo is vital in France, and Ethan DeGroote mentioned a while back that he was the toughest tight head he had come up against. Nepo got a lot of heat yesterday for people not thinking he should make the team, but he did get named. Um, who will play fullback since Chance is out? I did ask the Warriors Life boys that, and they think Tain to Opiki is probably going to just slot straight in there this week. Uh, Mark, I don't dislike the Warriors, but I think it's a year too soon. If they do make the top four, uh, they'll go out in two straight. I think that is sort of part of the point I'm making, Mark. I just think we're a year away. We're still building, and we can see it from week to week. We're still building as a team, and maybe we just need an extra season to get that under our belt. So I'm definitely bullish about 2024. Jeep is on bullish about 2024. Roger coming back as well. Uh, James says, Para knows how to beat the Panthers, just not in a grand final. It's true, James, and I've said this. The grand final, it's more than just about how skillful you are as a team and whether or not you're you know, favourites or underdogs. It's about the week leading up. It's the emotional energy. It's the mental energy. And everyone talks about how much that week sucks it out of you. And that is why I think Penrith are just such heavy favourites because they've been through it all before. They know exactly what to expect. We'll take a break for new sport and weather. I've got a lot more text to get through uh, as well as catching up with Brendan Popple from the TAB. So take uh, new sport and weather with Johnny Mack next. 
25 minutes away from two, and it is time to talk some TAB and some odds now with uh, Brendan Popwell. You can bet live on your favourite sports. Just download the TAB app or uh, go to on the website. Pops, welcome in. Hey, Sammy. You are good, man? Mate, I'm recovering um, after that uh, multi that I told you about over the weekend. Last leg. It's always the last leg, Pops. Why oh. does sport do that to us? I know. It's a killer, isn't it? Um, and punters feel your pain out there as well. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, you, you go through all that hard work and trudge of getting through Thursday, Friday. Yep. Uh, the Saturday, uh, three games. And you're thinking, <laughs> okay, I'm looking good here. I am looking good. Cash out option, did, did you consider yeah. it? I, I'm not a big fan of cashing out because you've outlaid that money because you believe that that's going to come into why would you want to cash out at any stage because you're not backing yourself. I but c- did, did, couldn't agree more. You know, with, couldn't agree with you more, Pops. Do you, remember, do you remember the um, Gutherson one? Did I tell you about the Gutherson one a couple of weeks back? Um, where it was a similar thing. I had put um, basically eight try scorers on. I loved sort of trying to find a try scorer in every game. I put eight try scorers on, came down to Clint Gutherson in the final game, and this was going to give me 760 odd bucks. And uh, it was the game uh, against, or oh, who was it against? And he, he basically scored that try in the corner, which 100% shouldn't have been a try. Um, but I remember them going up to the bunker as a no try, and they, there was no way they were going to overturn it. And I just thought this would be my luck that the last leg would fall over because the bunker decided it was a no try. Um, and I didn't cash out then, Pops, even though the cash out offer was at about 400 bucks during the game. I didn't cash out. I, stu- I stood strong, and I think he scored with like 18 minutes to go. But this one, I had Nick Cottridge in that final game against the West Tigers. And you're actually right. It, it's a it's a four-day experience, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it comes down to Sunday afternoon, Nick Cottridge. And I looked at the cash out at about half time, and it wasn't great. And I just thought, you know what, basically what you said, I put my money where my mouth is. I believed in it to begin with. I'm going to keep believing in it, and I will regret it at the 80 minutes, which I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the the, the cash out is there's so many different scenarios with with, with cashing out because there are other scenarios where it could be life-changing. I I know that I've spoken to some others, you know, for a small outlay, and there's a massive, massive return there. Yet they've bit the bullet and they've gone and they look they didn't walk away with anything. So um, that, that that's the other side of the coin. Pops, I'll tell you I'll tell you a quick story. So um, similarly on the weekend, a mate of mine who lives up in the UK. Um, so um, he's obviously using a UK site up there, but he put a three leg just a sort of random multi on five pounds. He put on it and it was uh, the Rabbitohs to win thirteen plus. Oh, no, sorry, the uh, the Broncos to win thirteen plus. And I actually thought the Cowboys might win that game without um, Adam Reynolds for the Broncos. But yeah, the Broncos thirteen plus. He had another team in there to win head-to-head. And then he had the Sharks 13-plus pops against the Rabbitohs. And it was paying out 890 pounds. So what's that? You know, 15, 600 bucks from a five-pounder. And obviously the Sharks up 26-nil at halftime. And he's messaging the group chat saying, boys, it's a 700-pound cash out. Do I take it? And all the boys are saying, absolutely not, mate. 26-nil. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) The worst that could happen is the Rabbitohs score with three minutes to go, and it's then (laughs) 26-16. Oh, and the that's the, that's of, that is the scenario, pops, where you probably would you probably should have taken the cash out, given it was so close to uh to the to the grand total. Anyway, mate, what uh, let's talk some odds. What what's uh, what's going on? Obviously, FIFA uh, Women's World Cup. That I've been uh, getting in behind that every single night. Actually, there's some great power play options available there. What what else are people uh, gravitating towards this week? 
Yeah, certainly the, the, the correct scores have been uh, one that, that punters love diving into because you've got that little insurance uh, of if you get the, the, the right team but the wrong result, you, you get something back at least. And w- when we've had games that look one-sided, that, that has been a, an option where, you know, through those through pool play, there was a number of games that looked lopsided. Now, the one game that is looking that way is obviously France versus Morocco uh, late tonight where France are eleven and Morocco uh, is $13. So we have seen uh, a bit of work around that correct score for France. And we, we, we've seen all options explored there for, for France. Well, one of the popular ones that has been 3-0 and 2-0, 3-0, 6-50, 2-0, at $5.50. So if you could find something in there, if you believe that Morocco can score a goal, well, all of a sudden, three ones, $10, two ones, eight fifty. So <laughs> that's, that's been one of the most popular bet types over this World Cup. Uh, France uh, are well-supported, obviously, but very short on. The other game, though, is an interesting one because you've got Colombia and Jamaica, $2 for Colombia, $4 Jamaica, and the money for the draw at two eighty-seven. And mm. I will say... There has been money and method of victory. Any team on penalties, $4.50, by far the best-backed option. We've already seen it twice. It was $10 last night. I talked myself out of it uh, in the England match versus Nigeria. It was paying $10. Uh, it happened, and obviously we saw it in the USA game. That is one of the options as we go further into the tournament through this knockout stage that will get continually backed in these tight matches. You know why it went to a um, penalty shootout last night, Pops, eh? No way. They, they got word that you had had pulled out of the bet. And so, you know, that's, that's what they do. They know they know these things. It's like Nick Cotter, Like They got a phone call and they say, mate, there's this guy over in New Zealand. He's got an eight-leg multi on. We need you to just go off for an HIA. And that I swear, Pops, that's what it feels like sometimes. What about um, what about the NRL? I specifically, I'll give you a little bit of time to try and search this one up. Specifically want to know about the, uh, the premiership hopes. And let's just eliminate Penrith because I know that they're clear favourites. But I want to know about some of the other teams there. I know the Rabbitohs over in Australia are still, I think, third favourites by their odds at the moment, which I always do laugh about. And the Warriors are, you know, they're in behind uh, a lot of the... Like the Rabbitohs on sports at the moment at 7.50 and the Warriors are at 13 bucks and they're sitting in eighth and we're sitting in third. What what, what have we got at the TAB, mate? Not not quite the same liability. And and, and what I mean by that is that there's a more Warriors liability than there is for a Rabbitohs one. So we're seeing Rabbitohs at at a more attractive price at $10 and the Warriors are also sitting at $10. Look, by far in this market, the Warriors are the worst result uh, because we have seen betting on them from from January, basically. Yep. Where there was money on them at 51s, and there's a lot of fancy tickets out there. And as the season has gone on, there was, you know, 26s, 23s, 41s, a lot of different $10 tickets on that price that's made it the worst liability uh, in the market. For sure, Penrith Panthers, I will say, in the last probably month has tightened up in the market on volume of bets. They're now $2.20, and they are getting short, but they're getting short for a reason because the machine is starting to roll. Uh, Broncos, 3.75, do have their friends in the market. And then away from that, we do see a bit of fall-off. Melbourne Storm are hanging in there, but there's still a little bit of an unknown about where the Storm are at for 2023. Yes, Pappenhausen is coming back. But we don't quite see the same sort of love for the Melbourne Storm as we would say for like a Cowboys who are even at $19. 
have had their supporters uh, mm. throughout the last few weeks, even though they've hit a bit of a speed bump. So, yeah, overall, Warriors well-backed. And I, I, I would look at another market for the Warriors to reach the grand final. Now, they're $3.92. This has been another option that's been taken and we, we, we all know the sort of the situation of who we might play, the Broncos, et cetera, and whatever could happen through that match. But uh, the, the 392 has been taken uh, in terms of the Warriors to make the grand final or a Warriors-Penrith uh, grand final at 750, best supported. And then the favourite in that is uh, the Brisbane-Penrith, where they obviously look like they're going to finish 1-2 at $3.40. So yeah, that's where things are at the Premiership. And I will say this weekend to Sammy, Every single favourite is is well backed in, in multis. In fact, we've seen a very popular multi of all teams to win, as I mean, all favourites to win. It's currently paying five dollars and fifty five cents. There, it's it's one way traffic. Wow. around all of those favourites uh, yeah. this weekend. Well, just yeah, looking at the games coming up, and it is a weekend for favourites. Um, looking at the matchups, pop. So that's not a bad little shout as well. Might have to um, come out of retirement. Um, uh, like I just said on Monday, and uh, and get straight back into it, mate. Uh, we've got to run. Appreciate your time as always. We'll uh, we'll catch up again on Thursday. Sounds good, Sam. Cheers, man. There you go. Uh, pops out of the uh, TAB. There you can bet live on your favourite sports. So just quickly, those matchups this weekend: Seagulls, Panthers. So probably an easy win for the Panthers here, given how the Seagulls played on the weekend. Titans, Sharks. Although, gee, that one's not easy to pick. But the Sharks are after Rabbitohs. I just don't know where they're at. Um, Broncos, Eels. You'd say the Broncos win that one. Rabbitohs, Dragons. You give that to the Rabbits. Tigers, Warriors. Got to back the Warriors, uh, Roosters, Dolphins. And I see that one's pretty tough as well. That's pretty tough as well, given what the Dolphins came up with last weekend. And then Storm Raiders, you'd think, well, they see that one's tough too. Knights, Bulldogs, maybe it's maybe it's not as easy as I thought it was. I'll have to go and do my homework. Add them all up and see what I can come up with. Uh, Cowboys on the bye this weekend. Uh, we've got to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll see if we've got a little bit of time. We might uh, find out from Rabinio what's making news. Okay, Robbie has assured me that he has a bumper what's making news, which means I need to give him plenty of time off the long run-up. So we'll do that between two and three. I've just been reading through um, the comments on uh, the video of me saying the Warriors won't win the Premiership this year, Robbie. And uh, <clears throat> it's funny how quickly people misinterpret what you're saying. Someone has said, oh, I think that they can't win. I never said the words can't. Of course I think the Warriors can win. I think they've got the ability to win. It can happen. And if they improve, you know, keep improving over these next four games, certainly they have a shot. I'm just saying purely from what I've seen right now, I think Penrith are a cut above every now, everyone else, and I think they'll win. That's all I'm saying. I can still be a passionate Warriors fan. I can still hope they make the grand final. I can still love and support them and, and want them to win every single week. And look, I'm, I'm going to be the first person on the plane if they're over there in Sydney, for sure. I'm just saying, is it a year too soon? Because next year, we're going to have all of this experience under our belt. We're going to have RTS. We're going to have a Dallium medalist and Sean Johnson. Let's go. And uh, we'll have Webby... You know, for year number two, I just think that that recipe is a lot more potent than the one in 2023. Mark says, Sam, the only thing I'd take Nick Cottridge for is to drop the ball. He's so unco. Well, he did drop the ball over the try line. Well, as he was going for the corner, and that broke my heart. It's always, that's the way it always happens in a multi. It's the last leg, and there's always an opportunity for that last leg to come in, and it just doesn't happen, especially with try scorers. Trent says, Warriors will go to another level at playoff time. I love how all the Aussie media give us no chance, especially on 360. Are you talking about NRL uh, 338? 
I think you might be talking about NRL 338. Uh, Warriors will be in the grand final. That's from Trent. Uh, Nige says, let's not get too confident before the Tigers game. Tigers can bite and complacency will be fatal. I said this um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nigel, maybe it was last week. I think the obvious line in these next four games is we can't be complacent. We can't take any teams lightly. I think that's the obvious thing. You can't do that because it's the NRL and any team on any given day can beat anyone else. The Tigers, you know, got close against the Raiders there. Um, They've got close against other teams as well. They beat Penrith earlier in the year. So, you know, you, you, you can't take any. I think it's the obvious line, but I think it's okay to be confident that you're going to win the next four because of where you're sitting and how you're playing. Um, but yeah, they're going to be tough games. They're not going to be easy. No such thing as an easy game in the NRL. That's what they say. Uh, afternoon, Sam. Any chance you could shed light on how the NPC works this season? Is it a straight round robin, then top four make the semis? Can't find any info online about it. That's from Josh. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, Josh, but as I understand, obviously they merged the two conferences, so it's just one big table now, isn't it? One through 40. I think there's quarterfinals, so I think it's the top eight. Um, someone might correct me on double eight, double three, if you've got a better knowledge of how this year's NPC works, but I think it's the top eight and it's quarterfinals and just straight quarterfinals. So one plays eight and two plays seven, I think, and then semis, et cetera. I think that's how it works. Um, I think that's how it works. Uh, we'll take another break when I come back. I've got a couple more messages to get through. Uh, remember, after 2 o'clock as well, I'm going to catch up with uh, Black Sticks Defender. Um, he's a, a friend of actually one of the guys in the office here, Blair Tarrant. Um, they've got the Oceania Olympic qualifiers coming up on Thursday against Australia. Um, we're going to catch up with Blair after two. Uh, we'll take another quick break. Uh, your text after that. Two minutes away from two. As I mentioned, after two, we're going to catch up with Black Sticks defender Blair Tarrant. We'll also get a FIFA World Cup update from Casey Berry, our roving football expert. Uh, another penalty shootout last night between England and Nigeria. Uh, and then Australia getting up over Denmark, two goals to nil. We've got uh, a couple more quarterfinal, uh, sorry, round of 16 matches tonight, and then we're into quarterfinals. Happy days. And you can hear it all live here on SCNZ. Uh, Mikey says, Sam, listening to that last session on the Warriors, I'm sure I heard the word learnings a couple of times. Can I ask the question, knowing how Staffy hates that, and let us know about it after all this time as Staffy does that word now trigger me? Um, it actually does, Mikey, because of Staff. The, the word does trigger me simply because of Staff. Um, I never was that offended by it before, but for some reason I am now. There's a few things like that, to be honest. Um, but I heard, I heard a learning. I didn't hear learnings. I don't know if we accept the... Um, singular version or if it's just the plural version that we're against and another person says I've seen a report uh, Justin Morgan is off to the Cowboys next year interesting who comes in I have heard that and I would argue not argue I would say I think I know who comes in as well but I won't say I'll keep my powder dry for a for a wee while anyway news sport and weather coming up at two plenty to come between two and three uh, another another Florida Georgia line song to uh take you through the afternoon three minutes past two here on SCNZ no Staffy this week uh, Sammy sitting in the chair for the next couple of days Robbie just blasting a bit of country tunes for you there Dirt that song's literally called Dirt and that's all they sing about is Dirt uh, you probably couldn't get more country than that speaking of Dirt and field hockey Robbie when I was in America um, the two field hockey teams at my school played on grass they didn't play on AstroTurf like pretty much all field hockey played on nowadays. They played on grass, which I find very, very interesting. It might be something I ask our next guest if, uh, if he's ever played on grass because the Black Sticks uh, have their Oceania Cup qualifier. It's an Olympic qualifier getting underway on Thursday night against Australia. It's a three-test series. Um, if they win it, they go through to the Olympics next year. If they don't, they've got another qualification route to go down. And so joining us on the line now to have a bit of a chat about it is Black Sticks uh, defender Blair Tarrant. G'day, Blair. 
Hey, mate, how's it going? Very well. Have you ever played field hockey on grass? Uh, I haven't, but I was wondering where that dirt climate was going. I'm glad it went somewhere. Yeah, when I was in America, I watched our two field hockey teams at the school I was at play on grass, mate. It's a, it's a very different game, as you can imagine. Uh, the ball doesn't skid on as quickly as it does on the on the sort of Astro turf. Um, yeah, whole different dynamic, mate. So, uh, yeah, but a yeah, bit more old school, I reckon. Very old school, very old school indeed, mate. Let's talk about uh, what you've got coming up Thursday uh, night. Your first game in this uh, Oceania Cup against Australia, who are silver medalists at the last Olympics, a very, very tough uh, opponent to to try and get by. What what's the what's the prep been like this week for for you and the team? Yeah, we got up here to Whangarei um, on Saturday, Avo. So we've been. Just getting used to the conditions up here and getting ready for Thursday night. Australia, mate, like I just mentioned, silver medalists at the uh, at the last Olympics. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say how tough an opposition, because they'd be very tough. But what uh, what are sort of their, I guess, their strengths? What makes them so hard to play? Yeah, look, Australia always tough, though. They love the whole pressure, pressure game, high intensity, a little bit different to the European teams. But I think, um, yeah, this week's about us, to be honest. So if we can get things right in our camp, then... Doesn't matter who's on the other side. And uh, was I right in, in saying in that intro there that uh, you win this this Oceania Cup, you're through to the Olympics? If not, um, what what sort of the process for you guys from there? If you got to go down another qualification route? Yeah, that's bang on. We need to win this week. That's the first uh, shot at the Olympics. And then if not, there'll be a tournament uh, either in Valencia, I think, or Pakistan in wow January. Okay, yep. wow, yeah, yep. completely different side of the world. So, mate, tell, talk to me about, um, often when I've spoken um, to sort of the Black Sticks in the past and, and, and coaches as well, um, they've talked about New Zealand's real, I guess, need or desire to, to, to play more test matches, you know, to get that international experience. That's something that's hard to do, probably for a lot of sports um, down in New Zealand, being so far away from everything. So we were in the Pro League, which um, obviously involves, you know, most of the hockey-playing nations, and you're able to play regular test matches, but... Uh, we pulled out of that uh, due to you know costs and scheduling and just how difficult it was. I guess how hard of a decision was that just from a playing spe- perspective to not be involved with that any longer? Yeah, look, um, so just to clarify that, we came last, so we, as an inside, we wouldn't have been in it anyway. That was the decision was for the women. I think it was a tough decision for them getting into Paris. Right. Okay. But uh, but but in terms of being involved in that pro league, do you feel like it it's helped? It has made a difference being able to play, I guess, more regular more regular international matches. Yeah, it's it's a good in terms of getting getting games on the board, but it is a tough schedule. Like mm-hmm. for for anyone who plays in Europe or or anything, there's a lot of travel involved coming from New Zealand. So whereas it's a lot easier for the European teams to play in that competition. Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So. Um, yeah. Talk, talk to me about the team um, that we've got at the moment, mate, because obviously after the last Olympics, uh, a bunch of really, really experienced players uh, moved on from, from the Black Sticks. So you're obviously building towards the Olympics next year. Tell us a, a little bit about the makeup of, of the team and, and you know, that, I guess that, that important mix of both experience and some of, the, some of the younger talent coming through. Yeah, look, we did lose some players after Tokyo, which is normal after an Olympic cycle. And I think in the last year or so, we've just been fighting to get back to the level we need to be. Mm. And you'll like this group at the moment. There's a there's a really good under 21 side going through New Zealand men's side at the moment. There's a couple of those boys have broken in already, and they're already starting to perform at the highest level, which is really cool to see. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and then, sorry, you keep going. Yeah, and then on top of that, you've, there's a lot of there's still a lot of experience in the group. So guys like 
Simon Child and Hugo Ingles have come back in for this qualifier, which is big for us. Mm. And and I guess how important is it having those senior guys, just guys that have been there and done it before, um, Blair? Because you know we know how brutal Olympic, not just the, the actually being at the Olympics, but but this qualification process as well um, can be sort of quite a strenuous process. So I guess yeah, how important is it having those guys in and around them? Yeah, qualification is brutal. It's like you know all on the line in a couple of matches. It's it's really it's tough times. So I think um, a bit of experience in, in these games is massive, and having some guys who have on through the process many times just to kind of calm the nerves and, and get us on one page getting into it is massive. Mm. Having a look at the um, at the world um, hockey rankings at the moment, I think this is, this is up to date at the moment. So Australia sitting in sixth, the, uh, the Black Six sitting down in 13th. And uh, at the top, you've got the Netherlands, Belgium and England. Uh, I was talking with someone out in the office this morning. It's interesting, hockey, it sort of seems to me like it's never had that, that out-and-out dominant nation that sat at the top for years and years and years. You know, when you think about, I guess, the All Blacks and rugby, um, you can think about, um, you know, America and basketball, whatever it might be. Um, is what, what is it about? I guess, international hockey that makes it so fluid? You've just constantly got different teams up towards the top. I think the cool thing about hockey is there's a lot of different nations that play. So you've got the Asia-style, European-style, Americans, and then the Oceania teams all actually play a different style of hockey. And then it's when when those teams, for example, the Germans, Belgium, Holland, they've kind of sorted out what they want to do and they're implementing it well. Mm. It's kind of cool because you see different styles coming up against each other all the time. Mm. I love sports, yeah, that, that are just that competitive, mate. Uh, we've got uh, a, a former black stick of our own out here in the office, uh, Steve Jennis, uh, who told me that uh, you're, the, you're the hardest defender uh, that he's ever come against, uh, come up against, but I want to know if he was the hardest uh, striker you ever come up against, mate. Well, the amount of times I got hit by that guy in training is ridiculous. <laughs> the ball smashed through me, shot a goal. That guy was shooting me very good, but it was, yeah, it was good fun training against him. Yeah, and uh, you don't have any oil on them, do you? Any stories? Probably, it's probably, it's probably not safe for on air, is it? Yeah, not for on air. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, mate. I love it. Hey, well, um, yeah, very exciting uh, as as sort of the Olympic uh, qualification process gets uh, process gets underway on Thursday uh, up in Whangarei, mate. It'll be uh, it'll be very very exciting to to watch and follow. Hopefully, the boys get the job done over Aussie. If not, uh, we'll keep watching with interest uh, for step number two, mate. But really appreciate you coming on this afternoon and uh, and sharing a few thoughts with us. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Bob. There you go, Blair Tarrant there out of the Black Six up in uh, Whangarei. Like I said, playing Australia in a three-game series. So, yeah, obviously you've got to win two of the three and then you're into the Olympics. If not, you go to another qualification process. It's, um, it is interesting with field hockey, um, and I, I didn't know how much I could sort of go into it with uh, with Blair, but the but the particularly the male side, the Black Six, always really struggled at the Olympics. And I asked um, Steve out in the office why that is. Um, given that, you know, hockey is quite a big sport here in New Zealand. And he just said, when you get to the Olympics, it, you just, the best teams in the world, that's all it is, playing at their absolute best. And if you're just off half a, half a step or, or you're just, you know, your, your skill or your mental, I guess, um, fortitude isn't quite up to it, then, uh, then you know, you, you get found out pretty quickly. And uh, that's just, it's just the nature of it. Every four years, you only get one shot. Very, very difficult. Um, and, and as Blair mentioned there, you've got a team like the Netherlands who build a, a sort of brand or a style over a number of years and then when it finally starts to work, they, they rise to the top and there they are right at the top of the standings, of the world standings at the moment. New Zealand just haven't quite found that. And then we had a lot, lot of experienced guys leave after Tokyo. So 
yeah, very interested to see how they go against Australia, and uh, and hopefully they do make the uh, the qualification for next year. I think the uh, I think the women's black sticks are on at the same time, the same thing, part of the Oceania Cup. So I think that both the men and the women play. I could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure both of them play at the same time uh, for the same sort of route of qualification. Uh, we will take a short break. Uh, when we come back, I think Robbie's going to try and uh, enlighten us with what's making news around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world. Robbie. Sam. What's making news around the world, man? Well, it's time for a... Uh Oh, what would you say? A bumper? What's making news? That's bumper. that's what you, that's what you uh, was promised, right? Yeah. Well, right. you promised me, man. Oh, just, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. My bad. Um, you will be overjoyed to know. Mm-hmm. I found another world record. Fantastic. Uh, I am it's, overjoyed. It's <laughs> thank goodness. Uh, it's come out of Idaho, right? And uh, a man who's he's got more than two hundred and fifty Guinness World Records, which um, goes into that conversation that like surely you can just. Make up whatever you want, make it a Guinness World Record. But True. anyway, that's a whole other story. And he has juggled three balls mm. for 13 hours. Non-stop. Okay. Non-stop. So, now, see, when you say non-stop, there was one yesterday yeah, that where yeah. the guy was allowed to, like, step away for five minutes. So when you say non-stop, like, is he allowed to put them down for 10 minutes or something? I don't think so. Oh, I'm um, suspicious, man. There is a video that um, I didn't quite get into the office early enough to watch 13 hours through. Right. Um, but, may- yeah, maybe I'll have a scan through and see if he... But, you know, there's... Follow-up for what's I- making I saw- news tomorrow. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. There, there was a timer next to him, which obviously ticked yeah. over to 13 hours. And, you know, so I I do doubt this one that he was a- was actually allowed to stop. But... Have you... Is- can you juggle? I can. Can you? Yeah, well... Oh, so this has all been a setup, isn't it? So that, you know, you can show break, us your juggling skills. Break the world skills. record. Oh, just so you can just show us your skills. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I actually... Uh, I In last year of high school, we had an assignment um, which was involved like, involved like a duathlon, which involves running and swimming. Yes. And I am a horrific swimmer. Welcome um, to the party. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I... I can swim, but pretty much enough to save myself. That's about it. Uh, and so I was like, I just, I'm just not going to do it. They said to me, uh, "There's an alternative of juggling," and I was like, yeah. I, "I have no idea." Put me down for juggling, man. Get me out of the water. Why? Why is that the natural alternative to swimming? Juggling. I, I have no idea. But I didn't actually say that. I said to them, "Like, there's no chance. I'll just take a." No grade or whatever, because okay. I was like, because I, cu- I couldn't juggle. Mm-hmm. I was like, nah, hopeless. I'm not going to learn that. That just doesn't even sound possible. Yep. Um, then about two years later, just my brother and my mum were juggling, kind of showing off. I was like, oh, I don't. I want to. I want to join the party. I want to know how to juggle. And then they uh, they taught me, and now now I can juggle. So, yeah. If that, if that happened two years before, I could have uh, got True, some credits got at your marks. school. There's two things in life that I'm proud of that I can do, uh, Robbie. Uh, well, there's a number of things, but the two that... Sing country. Um, no, the two I'm going to mention to you. Number one is juggling. The other one is when I learned how to do this. 
You know? Yeah, that's like, cool. Yeah, 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 when I learned how to do that, yeah. man, it was like a, a light bulb yeah, moment yeah, for me. I yeah. felt like I became a man. Yeah, um, that's a big one. Anyway, I need we need to like find some props for you and test out if you actually yeah. can juggle. We might do that in the air break. Maybe um, get no, the definitely um, get the yeah okay fair enough. <laughs> get get the uh, like tissues and shampoo that you had. I was going to um, say like, you can either. Well, that's take a weird pick, combination. You can take your pick from some hand balm, yep. or I've got some like um, strapping tape, which okay. is sort of relatively circular. I see. Or you can juggle some Masashi energy drinks. But they're just Fantastic. pretend, they're, they're pretend on social content anyway, right there. there you go. Um, so, yeah, da- David Rush, the man's name, and he, he holds uh, numerous other juggling-related records, actually, uh, including, or we'll kind of go through these, and obviously uh, in the one ad break we'll attempt all of them. Uh, yep. Most juggling catches in a minute. Juggling catches. So oh, I, I suppose that's as fast yeah, yeah, as fast, physically yep, possible. Sure. And then we got the fewest juggling catches in a minute. The heck? How does that Which, well, So I imagine it would be that, like they have to be in the air, like you have to have two balls in the air constantly. Yeah, but you're just like chucking them you're really just high. Them high. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Um, most juggling catches in a minute blindfolded. Now that's, hard that's to do. very interesting. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, can, the guy, like, look, look, the guy can juggle. We get it. And then yeah. what? You just tag on a record yeah, for any much. part of it you can do. Like the most juggling catches on a unicycle in a minute. The most juggling catches wearing glasses yep. and a silly hat. You know, like, when do you stop? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the record had been set at 12 hours and five minutes, of course. Natural mm. places stop. Yeah. And uh, he said out of the 250 he's done, the, it's the hardest that he's ever broken. And he uh, actually failed three times. But on his fourth try, he finally reached a time of uh, 13 hours, 10 minutes, and two seconds. What was his name again? Uh, David Rush. Yeah. David. Okay. Right. Uh, anyway. We, we will move on from this from this juggling man. And a uh, California driver was pulled over on a Bay Area highway after being spotted using a carpool lane while their only passenger was a mannequin dressed in a hat and sunglasses. Oh, do you know what's so freaky? Was it? Wow, that's so freaky. This morning I was driving to work and I noticed a car next to me and I swear it was a mannequin <laughs> in the in the passenger seat and I think it was actually a person that was like reclined back. Yeah. But I, but it made me think of yeah. if you wanted to drive into the T2s, all you got to do is get a mannequin, dress it up, yeah, put yeah. it in your passenger seat or whatever and you could drive. I thought of that literally today, Robbie, and you've just <laughs> that, brought up that. That is, is fantastic. That is freaky. Put the X-Files music on. That is freaky. Um, yeah, where, where's the X-Files music? Somewhere uh, there. It is... This is good. Good radio. I believe, man. I believe. I watched the congressional hearings. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Good. Area 52. Right. Enough of X-Files. Um, Area 51? What is Area 52? <laughs> Area 51. Close enough. Um, That's but, actually 52 is the one you don't know about. So you know, oh. there you go. Now you know. What's making news? Tomorrow? I just, I just made news. That's no, yeah, that's true. Uh, so he uh, was actually pulled over and, um, yeah, got a got a fine for it. Driving what? the carpool. Oh, th- driving the T2? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe I won't do that then. Yeah, maybe not. Right. Um, carries a $500 fine apparently, which I assume it. is US dollars. So. Not worth it. No, thank you. And a uh, final story. Jake Paul took to the ring over the weekend. Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, took on took on Nate Diaz. Yes, he and, did. And uh, it's cost Drake a lot of money. Sure. Now he's uh, he's betting on a lot of these fights and does love a putting, putting a lot of big money on. And he uh, he bet two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to bet uh, for Nate Diaz to win, which he did not. Jake, Jake did beat him. Uh, went to the full ten rounds, and uh, yeah, Drake. Lost two hundred and fifty thousand. Would have won one million. 
if uh, Nate Diaz how to beat him, how to beat him, and um, yeah, he, he's he's done he's done this a lot. Like he lost he lost a million dollars. He bet on Argentina to beat France in normal time of the World Cup final. Wow! Um, and he lost six hundred and eighty four thousand on Barcelona to defeat Real Madrid in El Clasico, and he he lost two million after backing Izzy Izzy Adesanya to beat Alex Pereira. So. Okay. I mean, it's it's probably not like <laughs> there's a really money to him. Like, so I'm gonna get, I'm gonna I'm gonna take. So Drake is worth two hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. Two hundred million dollars. So divide that by two hundred fifty thousand, get a thousand. Now let's say the average salary in New Zealand is let's just say seventy thousand. Um, so that is like you putting is that seven thousand? Am I right in saying that? 7, seventy. 000? That is you placing a seventy dollar bet. That is what the equivalent was for Drake to place that bet. Right. And that is probably more money than I would bet anyway. Seventy bucks, maybe, yeah. but still, you know, it's not, it's not life savings. Whereas, to, yeah, to Drake, it's just a penny. It's just a little penny. Yes, yeah, Floyd Mayweather loves betting a lot of money as well. Actually, just throws it out there. Yep. And we will finish with um, a fact. Oh yeah, I love a fact. Yep, go on. The fact is, uh, I don't know if this is actually common knowledge, um, but I just came across this phrase written out today. And I I, re- I realized the phrase "lo and behold" is spelled without a W. I just assumed it. Did you like? Did you find this fact online, or did you just? Is this just a Robbie observation? Yeah, well, no, it's more of a me observation. It was sure. actually it was actually in one of the stories I was looking through. Okay. Someone had quoted saying "lo and behold." Yeah. And it was just "lo." Yeah. And I was like, "Is that?" Like, is that a typo or... No, but it's... I don't know. I just assume... Like, obviously, the word low and behold makes no sense. It's meant to be, like, kind of look and behold. It's a yes. shortened version Correct. of that. Correct. Um, so it makes sense to me. Don't get me wrong. But you just didn't know. But, yeah, I just assumed the low was L-O-W. That is a fantastic fact, Robbie. Um, you've enlightened me. We've got a bit more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad. We've got a bit more time. I've got a... Um, Got a sports fact. Oh, okay, yeah, you, please, yeah, now give me which one. Which is, uh, it's a, I've, it's a similar kind of theme that I've gone, that I have gone down the, in the past, is um, you know, sporting records and hardest sporting records to beat, and this one, I think it's going to be hard for anyone to ever, ever beat it, and it's uh, John Stockton's assist record. Yeah, it's incredible. So, apparently, if you played fifteen seasons, yes, played in every single game, yes. And averaged twelve assists each season for your whole career. Yes, you'd be a thousand off. Wow, that is insane. That reminds me of Wayne Gretzky's record. Wayne Gretzky. So in ice hockey, you get a point for a goal and an assist. And Wayne Gretzky has enough points. No, he's got. If you just counted his assists, he would still be the leading point scorer of all time. <laughs> So guys are getting points for goals and assists. Yep. If you just took his assists, he'd still beat them all. Wow. And then you throw his goals on the top and he's just by far and away ahead. That's why he's the GOAT. That's why he's GOAT. Hey, good whilst making news, um, Robbie. It was relatively bumper. bumper. Yeah, yeah. Relatively bumper. A little bumper to bumper, some oh, might say. Okay. Uh, when you're talking about the, uh, the carpool, mate. But that's okay. And some, some facts as well. A couple of texts on double eight double three, the Temper B post text machine. Ken says, guys, the way I see at least the Whanganuku is the lucky one. Not um, Clark. Not Caleb Clark. And Auckland to win the Bunnings Cup should have a few boys back for the Tasman game. Cheers, Ken. Why do you think that, Ken? 
why list why is Lester the lucky one and not um, Caleb Clark? Because this text from uh, Dean, the make of the back three will be interesting. For me, Lester has to be number 11. So does that mean Mark Telemus is out? I'd say no. He's a right wing and so, so dangerous. Play him. That leaves a no-brainer Will Jordan. That leaves the no-brainer Will Jordan is just so dangerous. He must be the starting 15. Bowden, not in my 23. McKenzie is my 23. That's from Dean. The test, we all know if Kane gets hurt, we'll, we will be even strong with Artie at seven. And Luke at eight. Shannon, six. We all know the rest. Very good problems to have. Can anyone tell me the last time Sam Kane got a turnover or a seven's not expected to do that anymore? Leicester get more from 11. Just a th- oh, Leicester got more from 11. Just a thought. Um, Dean, I would totally disagree with you because I think even um, in the last game, maybe the game before that, I, I, Sam Kane got about two or three turnovers. And I, he still, I, yeah, I can't bring up the numbers or the facts for you, but I, he still gets them. He definitely still gets them. Um, but big corner, having Bowden in your twenty-three, and having Damien, Damien in there, but a lot of people disagree with you with it, on that. Um, and just finally, Greg from the Aki says, given the Tigers are the only ones to bring the home game over to NZ, I hope the crowd give them a cheer running out. Yep, that's been circulating on social media, Greg. Uh, don't want anyone booing the Tigers as they run out on Saturday night or booing them as they're trying to kick. Um, because, yeah, they are the only NRL team that stumped up and said, yep, we'll come over and thank you for all the all the hard work you did during COVID, helping to keep the game alive, coming over here for the best part of three years. No other team wanted to do it. So we've got to give the Tigers some, some credit. Uh, we'll take a break for New Sport and Weather. When we come back, we'll get a World Cup update with our football expert, Casey Berry. 27 minutes away from 3 o'clock. It is time for our uh, FIFA Women's World Cup update with the football expert, Casey Beery. Casey, uh, you're a little bit happier today? A little bit better. A little <laughs> bit better. doesn't hurt quite as bad, but um, I still haven't forgotten it. <laughs> yeah, this, you know, this is rationale is trying to creep back into your brain, but uh, yeah, I know how it feels. Um, let's talk some World Cup then. England-Nigeria uh, was the first game yesterday, and you said yesterday it was going to be a tough game, it was going to be a close game. Don't know if you predicted nil all uh, and then going to penalties. England with a red card as well. Um, I don't know. A little bit of a bizarre game for me because I did expect England to score a couple of goals. It was a bizarre game. But yeah, like I said, I watched Nigeria across this tournament and they have been impressive. But what impressed me the most last night is they had been kind of known for their counterattack and their their offense, but Mm. they defended beautifully last Mm. night. Like I was the most impressed what they did behind the ball than with the ball, actually. What did you make of the red card? Yeah, piss, piss poor, to be honest. <laughs> like, I saw that and I couldn't believe it. But, I mean, she's a heck of a player, but I think she showed her age there and yeah. her lack of experience. And um, she Maybe was frustration. being... Yeah, she was being marked out of the game. And, again, Nigeria, um, all credit there. And she was just not happy with her touches on the ball and then, yeah, let it get the best of her. So, uh, obviously, went to pins and uh, the first two uh, penalty takers for both teams or the first penalty taker from both teams... Uh, Pretty pretty poor penalties that both missed, um, but England ended up getting it getting over Nigeria. It just sort of seemed like Nigeria that um, maybe they'd never been in that position before, you know, and just a little bit of little extra pressure. Because um, it's funny when it gets to penalties, everyone says you know then it's just anyone's game and it's fifty fifty anyone's chance to win. But you just felt like England were going to win it, you know? Yeah, you did, and you could tell that. Yeah, the moment was almost too much for Nigeria. You've got all those English players playing. Well, they you know won Euros. Um, defending European champions. So they've been through those big moments before. They've done that in, in their Champs League and throughout their club teams. And, yeah, a lot of those Nigerians would be the first time in a penalty situation with that much magnitude. Yeah. I wonder if the blueprint now was sort of there to beat England. Um, 
you were just mentioning the sort of defending them out of the game. I, I wonder, yeah, if some of the other teams just have a little look at that, um, given that, you know, we talked about you say England sort of being one of the favourites. Yeah, you've seen it from a lot of the smaller nations um, kind of sitting in that low block and just staying super organised and it's so hard to break down and mm. it gets frustrating and the longer that you keep the other team in the game, like the more confidence grows on the other side. And uh, I mean, to be honest, even before the red card, I would argue Nigeria was the most dangerous yep. on the field yep. that night. So. Yeah, all over them. Absolutely all over them, especially in extra time. Uh, the other game was Australia, Denmark, Australia. Uh, 2-0, the return of Sam Kerr. And uh, it's funny when you read the media reports, it's like she played most of the game. When I think <laughs> she came on, you said the 77th minute. It yeah. was like she was the saviour when I think they were already up 2-0. Uh, but pretty impressive from Australia. I mean, they were, they were favourites. They're expected to win that game, but uh, but 2-0, and they did look pretty um, comfortable as well. End-to-end, though, that game. It was end-to-end. Um, I think I said to you earlier, it felt like both teams were down 1-0 with five minutes to go for the entirety of the match. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was great for a spectator, but it was hectic, just back and forth and back and forth, but it was so fun. I mean, I think actually Denmark controlled the bulk of the possession. Um, Aussie had, like, their first goal was beautiful, great ball by Mary Fowler and a uh, beautiful finish by Caitlin Ford. Um, and they've kind of made the money on that counter a little bit, just a quick up down the field, one pass, and then off you go. Um, but, yeah, look, super happy for the Matildas. Um, yeah, when Sam Kerr came on, the ovation was probably louder than, I think, when they scored the goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just great for the nation and um, so good for the tournament to have one of the host teams still in. Do you, um, do you think Aussie can win it? I think they they could. Uh, they're going to need a little bit of luck. Um, they will most likely face France, I think, in the quarterfinal, um, who they played as their like send-off match before the tournament started. They did win 1-0, um, but that, that'll be a big one. And then mm. they'll most likely see England in the, the semis, which will be a barn burner. That will be fantastic. <laughs> um, so Colombia, Jamaica tonight at 8 p.m., and then France, Morocco later on at 11. Uh, France, Morocco, pretty pretty... Well, I'm gonna say easy, but pretty clear cut for France, you'd think. Look, or are, you, are you gonna throw me <laughs> no, another close no, game penalty shoot? I mean, I'm afraid to really make any bold predictions these days because of what we've seen so far. Yeah. But um, I mean, you, Morocco did struggle against Germany, um, and I th- I think that'll happen with France today as well. They'll put up a fight, but I think France will get three or four. Where, off where, where do France sit in terms of like favorite like rankings? Are they sort of top four? Or are they a little bit further out? Or they would be. Um, yeah, I mean they're definitely always in contention for winning. Um, last year they played the U.S. in the quarterfinals, so they probably deserve to make it a little bit further. But the mm. matchup just came early. Um, on any given day, they could definitely beat anybody. And then Colombia, Jamaica. Now Jamaica's sort of I said become everyone's second team. Um, is that one, I think Brendan Popple from Tabby said they're pretty even at the moment at Tabby, like two bucks a piece and then four bucks, or maybe the draw's the favourite at the moment for, mm. for, for, so for it to go to extra time and potentially shoot out. I could definitely see that. Um, Jamaica hasn't given up a goal um, in the whole tournament. Wow. And their striker, Bunny Shaw, um, is pretty impressive. So, But Colombia is the same. Like Both fun teams to watch offensively um, on the counter just quick up the field, but yeah, that one is super hard to make prediction, and I, I, I don't know if it is mm. a draw at the end, it, it won't be nil all. <laughs> okay, and what when you look at the quarterfinals? So um, Spain, Netherlands. We talked about the yesterday. Uh, Spain, Netherlands, Japan, Sweden. Then it's going to be Australia. I think it's going to be Australia v Jamaica or Colombia. Am I right? Or uh, gonna, Australia, France, France. It goes mm-hmm. the other way, and then England will play the winner of Colombia, Jamaica. Yeah. Let's just hypothetically say we've got France and let's say Jamaica in there. Mm-hmm. Which team? Which four teams would you want to see go through to the semi-final? 
Spain, <laughs> um, Netherlands. No, Spain, Netherlands. I think, I think Spain wins, but close. But who do you want to go through? Uh, I prefer. <laughs> who would be your ideal semi-final? That's what I'm saying. My ideal semi-final. I'd actually like to see a Japan-Spain rematch, mm-hmm. um, and then Aussie England, and mm. then a Japan Aussie final. Wow, that, imagine that, Japan, Aussie. I bet <laughs> there'll be a lot of money to be made there if someone predicted that early on in the tournament. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Um, a text actually just come through here from Josh in Wellsford that says, international reporter Casey is brilliant. Pleased you're keeping her on the show, Sammy. So you got your fans out there. <laughs> Casey, Thanks, might, Josh. We, appreciate we, we might have to start paying you. Uh, <laughs> mate, uh, appreciate you coming on. As always, uh, we will uh, we'll hopefully catch up tomorrow because we have those two games to talk about. Then we've got a day off on Thursday. And we've got those um, semi-final or quarterfinals, sorry, kicking off on on Friday. Just quickly on that, actually, because a bit of a rest, isn't there, for mm. like Spain, they've had almost, just looking at this here, they've, I know, nearly a week break, yep. whereas um, Australia is only going to have like a four-day turnaround, five-day turnaround. Yeah, I think Aussie may have had an extra day on this go-around, but like when you look at the Japan-Sweden matchup, like Japan has a full day extra rest and then Sweden went 120 minutes. So True, Japan yeah. will be coming that match a bit fresher than, than the Swedes. So mm. yeah, it is interesting how those... Um, rest days kind of fall into place and it will start making a difference as we get deeper into the tournament, Mm, no doubt. Very interesting indeed. Okay, we'll keep across it uh, over the coming days and of course uh, it's all live here on SENZ as well, which is fantastic. Uh, We'll take a short break, come back with some texts after that. Uh, We are 14 minutes away from 3 o'clock. Craig says, what do you do do when an angry circus troop is bearing down on you? Go Go for the juggler? Jugular? Juggler? I don't mind that, Craig. It's okay, it's borderline. But uh, I do love a dad joke. Um, Richard says, good on the Tigers. Will be the biggest home crowd of the year. Should work out to be reasonably lucrative for them, do you think, Sammy? Uh, I think so, Richard, yeah, because they would get um, they would get the ticket sales, wouldn't they? Which is funny because, yeah, 90% of the fans are going to be um, Warriors fans. But, yeah, the, the Tigers will get the the benefits from it. So, yeah, the, fantastic for them, given they're down the bottom. They probably haven't played in front of a crowd that big. Um, someone says, I heard your Warriors comment live. It was in the context of the chat. Everyone listening at the time would have understood the comment and heard your follow-up and all the reasoning behind the statement. I'm just happy the Warriors are happy and they're doing well. Yeah, it got a little bit blown out of proportion, the fact that I said I don't think they'll win this year. It's like, I think they can win. I think they've got the ability to win and they can get better, et cetera, like I've mentioned a million times. But I just think Penrith are so good. They're just so good. Just watch Penrith. They're just an unbelievable side. I actually enjoy watching them because of how good they are. Um, Very, very entertaining. Um, I did mention earlier Justin Morgan, the the mole from Channel 9 has come out saying that um, Justin Morgan is going to be signing on as an assistant coach of the Cowboys. Um, That's obviously TBC for the official uh, release, but he is off contract with the Warriors at the end of this year. And I understand there's someone waiting in the wings, ready to go. If Justin Morgan does call time with the Warriors, uh, there is this particular individual that is a clear favourite or outrunner to uh, to come in and take on the assistant coach role. That'll be very interesting. I'll, I can probably give you a little bit more once the uh, Justin Morgan news is officially official. Uh, someone here on double eight double three, John has said, uh, Sam, can you do you mind giving us a quick update of the MPC ladder? Uh, I can do that for you, uh, John. Uh, bring it up here. I had it before. Uh, right, cool. So um, I, and someone did ask before the format, and I got it uh, confirmed that it is uh, 
obviously everyone's playing in one sort of division now, one through 14. They each play 10 games. They won't play every team um, throughout the competition. They play 10 games, and it is a quarterfinal, semifinal, final format. So the top eight will make, I guess, playoffs or finals and then uh, go quarterfinal, semifinal, final. So um, right up the top, which uh, pains me to say, uh, Canterbury, and they got the bonus point as well on the weekend. So they're on five points. Uh, but also on five points are Taranaki, Waikato, and Auckland. So um, <clears throat> four pretty um, strong franchises there up in the top four. Uh, just in below Auckland in fifth position, you've got uh, Wellington on four points, then Tasman in sixth on four points, Hawks Bay in seventh on four points. And then uh, the bonus point teams that lost, you've got Bay of Plenty, so they're on one point. North Harbour are on one point, and Counties Monaco are on one point. That's Eight, nine, ten, uh, sorry, respectively, and then Southland, Otago, Manawatu, and Northland, uh, the bottom four teams so far. Of course, just one round played, so plenty to come uh, this weekend. Got Northland, Taranaki. Uh, well, that's actually tomorrow night. It's the midweek game. Northland, Taranaki, up in Northland. Um, Counties, Manukau, Hawks Bay on Friday night. Uh, Bay of Plenty, Waikato in Tauranga is the two o'clock game on Saturday. Otago, Wellington from Forsyth Bar. Uh, Saturday afternoon and then Saturday evening you've got Tasman and Auckland um, at Lansdowne Park and Nelson, that's in Nelson isn't it, Lansdowne Park uh, on Sunday you've got North Harbour Canterbury at Oniwa Domain which is a really interesting place to play rugby I don't know if you know Auckland region the Auckland region well at all but Oniwa Domain is essentially like a a football park for for kids on the weekend uh, Invercargill uh, Southland take on Northland um that is 2 o'clock on Sunday. So that's a big trek for Northland going from um, Whangarei on Wednesday down to Southland and Vicargo on Sunday. That's a big uh, storm week for them. And then the final game on the Sunday uh, afternoon at 4.35 is Manawatu v Taranaki. Oh, do you think Staff will be sweating on that one? Staff? I don't want Manawatu to go 0 from 2. They finished bottom last year, Manawatu. They're second from bottom now, just above North uh, Northland on point stiff. But they want to... Um, they want to get the campaign underway at some stage. They want to win one game at least. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll go back in the day. When we come back, uh, Robbie has put together what was a bumper edition of What's Making You. It's going to be a bumper edition of Back in the Day for August the 8th. So we'll take a break and come back with that after this. Here's what happened back in the day. Going back in the day, August the 8th, back in 1900. The first Davis Cup played in Boston. The first Davis Cup uh, tennis competition began at the Longwood Cricket Club in Boston with the US beating Great Britain. 3-0, Malcolm Whitman, Dwight Davis and Holcomb Ward comprised the American team. And the British side included Arthur Gore, Herbert Roper Barrett and Ernest Black. Ernest. The uh, competition was named after Davis, who donated the cup. There you go. Didn't know that. That's why it's called the Davis Cup. In 1982, everybody loves Raymond. Raymond Floyd. Set records aplenty as he led from start to finish to win his second PGA Championship at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Floyd opened with a record tying 63, never three-putted in 72 holes, set a 36-hole scoring record, 132, a 50-hole mark, 200, and his 8-under, 272 was a stroke higher than Bobby Nichols' 72-hole record. Amazing. 1992, on this day, 1992, August 8th, how about this? Uh, The Dream Team took gold. America's dream team cruised to the gold with an easy 170-85 victory over Croatia in the final at the Barcelona Olympics. It was the first time professional players had been permitted to compete in the games that included Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, coached by Chuck Daly. Uh, Jordan finished with a team-high 22 points, Charles Barkley 17, as seven US players reached double figures. Well and truly the dream, t- the dream team. And in 2011, 
uh, the first T26 wicket haul. Sri Lankan spinner uh, Ajantha Mendes claimed six for 16 against Australia in Kandy for the first six wicket haul in international T20 cricket. Australia made 149 for nine to four, just short of a victory target of 158 and lose the series to zip. Our birthdays today, 1981, turning 42 today. The man, the master, the maestro on the tennis court, Roger Federer. The, the first man to win an astonishing 20 Grand Slam titles. From Switzerland, but loved all over the world, Roger Federer. Yeah, he's the GOAT. I don't care who wins the most titles. He will always be the GOAT to me, Roger. Because it's about more than just winning the titles, right? It's about what they do to the sport. And Roger, for me, will always be the man who uh, made me fall in love with tennis. Uh, turning 34 today, Anthony Rizzo, Yankees' first baseman. How about this? 33 today, still kicking on. Let's hope the knee's okay for the World Cup. Kane Williamson. Driven. Finds the gap. He finds the gap. And it will run away. What a way to bring up his third double century. And innings of the highest skill. Oh, he's got to be there if we want any chance, doesn't he, Robbie? He's got to be there for that World Cup squad. Think so, yeah. <laughs> you think so? I know so, man. He's got to be there, Kane. Uh, and also turning 23 today, Felix. Felix. Ajur Alissimi. I, I never know how to pronounce his name. Ajur Aliasim, I think. Ajur Aliasim. Aliasim. Uh, he's a Canadian tennis player, world number 12 at the moment. On this day, 1985, if you had a birthday, uh, you were sharing that birthday with the number one movie, which is Back to the Future, and the number one song by Tears for Fears. That is us done for a Tuesday, folks. Uh, as I said, Staffy away for the rest of the week, so I will be sitting in uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Got a, a good show coming up tomorrow, including running it straight with Kempi. Can't wait for that. But got the run home coming up next with Kirst and Beeve. I know they've got some good guests lined up as well, so stay tuned. We'll see you tomorrow.